I'm Benjamin, aka Ben, the man who knows too much about Batman, and with me, as usual, Andrew Chief Magnus. I just added the Magnus part. The third. So, the, the, the third. <laughs> the robot yes. was missing that third, yes. <laughs> you know what? I'm changing it right now. <laughs> You're right about that. Well, as Andrew Chief Magnus the third changes that... We just saw the Batman last night, and we're going to do a non-spoiler overall reaction to it real quick that we'll release first, and then for Monday, after the movie's out, you guys will get the full episode with this review, as well as our very spoilerific deep dive into the comparisons with the comics. You do not want to watch that before you see the movie. And probably the spoiler-filled review in that episode, too, like a, a quick one. Yeah. Um, But the non-spoiler one in this first one, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. So, you want me to go first, or do you want to I want I want you to go first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, everyone's wondering, what did we think of the Batman? We've been getting some comments on our Instagram post as well about it. So, I'll just say it straight up. It's two thumbs up for both of us, I think. At least, I yeah. liked it. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. You right. Did I love it? I don't know yet. It's Dude, weird. Yeah, yeah. It's weird, go right? Ahead. I don't, I don't know ahead, how you ahead. feel about it. It's like, I liked a lot of it. There's not really anything I didn't like, but I felt like I'm still absorbing it, like a day later. But the more I think about it, the more I like it. It's just, it just does, it's not an automatic, like, oh my god, this is the best thing ever, which I know some, some people have felt themselves, but when I walked out, it was more like, wow, there's a lot to, to absorb and think about. It's a little tough, too, because it's, it's definitely in the shadow. Any Batman live-action thing is going to be in the shadow of the Dark Knight trilogy, and it does have its own identity, but there is enough of a similarity and feel and tension to certain scenes that, you know, comparisons are going to be inevitable. But if we are going to make a contrast, the Nolan take does still have very crowd-pleasing blockbuster action movie moments, and this take, like, even reduces that down. It's darker, <laughs> it's more serious. It does still have, like, action movie moments, don't get me wrong. You still It's still very PG-13 in some ways, but... It's just not something we're necessarily as used to. This is the crime thriller detective story Batman we wanted. It's just we haven't really seen something like this so that when we actually get it, it's like, oh, I'm not used to it. Even if I wanted that, I'm not quite used to that yet. Uh, And then Robert Pattinson, it's a similar feeling where I'm just like, I don't know if he's my favorite. In terms of a favorite live-action Batman actor, it's still Keaton probably, and it might always be Keaton. There were times where maybe I thought Pattinson might have been a little too stoic as Bruce, and honestly, sometimes his voice kind of sounded a little too close to how it should have ended Batman to me. (laughs) But in terms of characterization, in terms of the writing of it, it's got to be one of my favorites in live action. Like, this lived up to the idea it's going to be a detective story. I told Andrew while we were sitting through the credits, like, if you don't think Batman's a detective after seeing this movie, I don't know what to tell you. Like, they went all out with this. But the best way I can describe this version is that he's kind of got the intelligence of that we haven't seen in anything as extreme as with Adam West. And so he's kind of got the intelligence of Adam West for 2022. He's got the creature of the night physicality of Michael Keaton that I wasn't expecting him to sort of be able to channel. And I haven't seen anybody since Keaton really do that very as well. Uh, he's got the rage of Christian Bale. And he's got the fighting ability of Ben Affleck. So, I mean, that right there is the winning combination. You've got, like, the greatest of each great Batman in there. Uh, I don't think it's much to give away that it, he's more Batman than Bruce Wayne. And it. it's pretty evident from the trailers uh, on that. Obviously, there are scenes of him when he is Bruce. But the way he is Bruce is basically Batman without wearing a costume. 
<laughs> the way he walks as Bruce is the same way he walks as Batman. And it's deliberate. There is room for him to become, to develop more of a Bruce Wayne side uh, in the future. Uh, it's one of those things where I'm just like, well, it's not really much in this one, but it could be something to still develop. So I can't really hold it against them for that. So, you know, maybe give him two more movies or just even one more movie. I could see him becoming one of my favorites. I, again, I've only seen this once. Obviously, we've only seen it once. So we're just going off of a fresh react. Maybe over time, I'll, I'll say stuff diff differently. But he is, there's almost, I know people are going to laugh, but there's almost still a vampire type quality to it that I know like people laugh because of Twilight, but I'm just like, of course he's a fucking vampire. He's a creature of the night in a cape who preys on people. It's perfect. You know, in terms of perception. I, I felt that. the vampire vibe too. And I, yeah. the Twilight stuff is kind of unfortunate these days, but I mean, who gives a shit? It's, it's a cool point, vampire yeah. vibe. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, it's the appropriate amount of vampire vibe. It's not mm -hmm. Edward from Twilight vampire. It's Dracula vampire type. Yes. Yes. And then also a lot of people gave Pattinson shit for not being Ben Affleck size wise and kind of body shaming him. Once you see him in the suit, he's a fucking beast. He's not Batfleck size, but he's like second to Batfleck. I felt like it. He's he's bulky in that. I didn't yeah. expect him to look yeah. like that. Uh, and the bat suit itself, I actually think I I like the bat suit a lot more when I saw it. I know that we kind of gave it like a B in the rankings. I might move that up to an A. Uh, like I really liked it once I saw it in action. I'm like, you know what? I I, I really dig this. Um, Jeffrey Wright might be my favorite Gordon. <laughs> he's actually the main one out of the cast where I'm immediately like, you might be my favorite live action version of this character <laughs> automatically. He's got that veteran toughness as well as like that weariness. I've been doing this shit for way too long type of feeling <laughs> to him to yeah. the point where I'm just like, fine, I'll team up with a guy in a bat suit, whatever. Like it's, it's cool. There is some humor in the movie that comes from him, but it fits the movie's tone. It doesn't seem out of place. Like it feels in, you know, some other like, some MCU movies or even sometimes in the Dark Knight trilogy where I'm just like, did you have to do a joke there? They don't really do that in here. There's still humor, but it feels very appropriate to the scene and the tone of the characters. Some of the other uh, humor comes from Colin Farrell's Penguin. Colin Farrell just shows what everyone's been saying for years. Like he is a he's a character actor with leading man looks. And once you bury those looks in prosthetics, he just completely disappears in the role. You know, you want to see more of him. So really looking forward to that HBO Max Penguin stuff. Paul Dano is terrifying as the Riddler. It's so different from the other Riddlers, I can't even really compare him to Gorshin or Jim Carrey or any of those. He's definitely the scariest. And I'm kind of glad they didn't go too overboard with the whole, uh, you know, jigsaw from Saw type thing that I know a lot of people wanted years ago. And, and I was just like, yeah, that seems a little too much. Thankfully, they, they had just the right amount of horror movie for this one. Uh, Zoe Kravitz is Catwoman. Similar to Pattinson, I don't, I can't say yet that she's my new favorite, but characterization is solid. And as I predicted, the movie nailed down the chemistry, the dynamic between the two of them in a way that we haven't really seen uh, as strongly before, in my opinion. Uh, John Turturro, mesmerizing as Carmine Falcone. I was not expecting him to be, um, have as significant of a presence as he did in the movie. Andy Serkis is a good Alfred, just a similar problem to Jeremy Irons. I felt like there wasn't enough of him to make the same impact as like Michael Caine or Michael Goff over four movies. Uh, and the big MVP of the movie outside of the cast and the director, it's got to be Michael Cicchino for the score. He's got all these different themes, a heroic Bruce Wayne theme mixed in with the vengeful Batman theme. It's the best Batman theme in years. And I like the ones from Hans Zimmer and Junkie XL. But this is the next iconic one. It's the first like hummable 
movie ones since you know arguably the Schumacher ones people were humming, humming dun 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 like out of the theater you know or maybe that was just <laughs> you and me I don't know but like <laughs> no, I was it can't be just that. us yeah so I don't know it might not be my favorite Batman movie yet or it might not be my favorite Batman movie and that's okay but it's definitely up there it's definitely growing on me I need another viewing Andrew I was interested to see what you'd say. You said a lot of the stuff that I was thinking, like, mm. <laughs> I say from the top, it's like an 8.5 or a 9 out of 10. Mm. It's going to be tough to do this with, with a non-spoiler review, but uh, yeah. yeah, so, okay, let's start from the, with the, oh, okay, so I'm I'm, a, I'm having a hard time uh, deciding where to start. Okay, so the he, you said one of the heroes was, yep. was Giacchino, Giacchino, how you yeah, say his name? Yeah, the music, yeah. I'd also have to say Craig or Greg Fraser, the guy that was the DP. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The director mm, of photography. Fraser, yeah. Dude, this is this movie is shot like a motherfucker. It mm. looks so good. And like we've seen the Alex Ross penguin shots, people mm. comparisons, but there was one shot, this is not too much of a spoiler, but it's like Batman in the Rain. It looks like an another Alex Ross painting. It looks like mm. it's Alex the the uh, war, I think. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, war on crime. Yeah, like that was just stuff like that's incredible. And you see it in the trailer, you're going to see even more of it, obviously, in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, okay, so so Pattinson, Batman. I liked him a lot. And I was yeah. thinking the whole time, like, I like this, but I know a lot of people probably won't like <laughs> yeah. this as much as me. Yeah. Uh, I, he is so... Um, intense in the cowl Mm -hmm. he has such an intense presence he broods like like crazy Mm -hmm. and that's great for batman that's why it works for me uh and i love the fact this is all over twitter and you've already said it but like uh it's like um he's it's like 90 percent in the bat suit yeah there's like two two bruce wayne scenes in this movie (laughs) This movie does not give a fuck about Bruce Wayne that much. One, I, so I watch a lot of reviews today to prepare for this part mm-hmm. of us doing this today. Yeah, and um, they they it kind of felt like Bruce is dead. Like Bruce, I thought there was going to be a sixth sense reveal at the end. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like Bruce, in, in a sense, metaphorically, Bruce is dead and only Batman lives. And when he becomes Bruce. They don't say this out loud, but it does really feel like he's annoyed being Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. He just wants to be Batman. So I thought that all that stuff is done so well. The action I thought was done well. The uh, It's hard to get into specifics without spoilers, but and we're still kind of processing because it was just last night. Mm-hmm. But the uh, I can't tell just yet because I'm still processing if the action scenes are as good as the warehouse scene. Like mm-hmm. Snyder's just so absolutely stellar at that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. that I mean, there were some fucking action scenes in this that were like, especially that end one. That's like, yeah. it was, it was fucking up there. It did go cracker Jack. So yes, that, that, that I really appreciated. Um, characterization uh, with all the characters was great. Uh, the Catwoman, like you said, I think most people agree with this, right? This Bat-Cat chemistry is the, probably the best on screen. 
Mm-hmm. She might not be your favorite Catwoman, but the chemistry between them is better than in Batman Returns. Mm-hmm. Absolutely nailed it. And I love that she's she's just on her own journey and they just happen to fucking line up. Yeah, it's perfect. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they have just similar goals. They're looking in the same they're this is a cheesy thing I read in high school, but they're people in love don't look at each other. They look at the same direction. Like that's kind of how it is though, in this. Mm-hmm. Right? So I thought that was done well. She's great. She's like scrappy as hell like <laughs> and i really i i like that i like her Catwoman a lot so there's that uh the penguin fucking rules i <laughs> yes. fucking lo- i fucking loved him dude like mm. i was i woke up this morning saying take it easy sweetheart <laughs> you know i <laughs> i could have done with a lot more penguin yeah um and that's another the testament to this movie is that no one's in the movie f- too long Mm-hmm. Everyone just shows up right, like just enough, and Alfred's like not even in there enough. Like Alfred's got like literally two scenes. It feels like yeah, he's and people have been talking about that a lot too. But um, yeah, I mean, I I thought and I don't know why, but I wasn't like super excited about Circus going into this, but I liked him. I really yeah. did like him in this mm-hmm. movie. He's a very likable Alfred. And their chemistry is really great. And so I appreciated those scenes a lot with him. Uh, and then what else we got? Oh, yeah, I do agree. Best Gordon ever, probably. And get, dude, yes. it's hard to top Gary Oldman. Gary mm-hmm. Oldman is one of the all-time fucking greats mm-hmm. out of acting. He's one of my favorite actors. But as Gordon, I just gave him more to do or something. And Jeffrey Wright is just so... So fucking likable. Him calling him, him, I'm about to, it'll be a minor spoiler, but anyway, he, he, their, their banter is really great with each other. It's almost like a buddy cop movie at times because they're, Mm -hmm. they share so much screen time together. Like they're kind of bros almost. Yeah. Which is, which is great. And, uh, so yeah. Oh, wait. So Riddler, God, I can't get, I can't spoil anything. So, all right, non-spoiler about him. Creepy as fuck. Uh, definitely like serial killer base like people are talking about. Love the the way he was introduced in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, Paul Dano just puts a stamp on this character. So yeah, stellar cast all around. I think the only con, the, the main cons for me, it is probably 15 to 20 minutes too long. <laughs> you know, Yeah. Anyway, people have been talking about it's a little long near the end, and I can kind of agree with that a bit. Although the third act is great, Mm -hmm. but again, come back for the spoiler fucking discussion. There's just (laughs) one story element, another story element that I think could have been like right on top of each other, and that could have made it a little even more Cracker Jack. Totally see that. Yeah. You even know what I'm talking about, probably. Yeah. yeah. Uh, So. Uh, yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, great score. DP is fucking wonderful. Matt Reeves. Overall thoughts, like they did their own thing. This is mm-hmm. not like any of the other Batman films at all. And it's like Matt Reeves and his writing team. It seems like there were several other writers, maybe one main one that was credited. I forget his name. Uh, uh but Peter Craig. Peter Craig. Yeah. 
from the town. Like it's so, um, it feels steeped in comics. It feels steeped in, mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, Ben. I mean, you're the one that can talk about this more than even than, than me, but like, it feels like it's got the tone of long Halloween, like really has the yeah. tone of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if not, the plot points aren't the same, really. But the t- but the the tone of it is is pretty close, and it, it's and it being a like a it, it's a detective story through and through. Mm-hmm. Like it, this is not like the Nolan thing where they just do one scene of detective shit. Yeah, the entire fucking movie is a detective story, and it really benefited from that. And I could have done with a whole lot more of that. I mean, it was 100 <laughs> yeah. percent that, but but yeah. more. I want this whole trilogy because you know how the the Riddler really lends itself to being a detective mm-hmm. story. Even if the next villain is Mister Freeze or Hugo Strange or whoever, mm-hmm. I still want it to s- s- stay with this detective shit as much as Absolutely. they can, yeah, as much as possible. Keep this tone. This tone worked like crazy. And some people said this too. I've in other reviews, and I kind of agree, kind of don't. They said it's almost like Matt Reeves didn't have a style, and that's a good thing. As far as it's just so fucking comic accurate tonally, you know. I, yeah, but, I don't know if I agree with with the like no style thing, but I do agree. Like, there's so much comics in it. That's why we have like a whole deep dive that we're going to get into with the spoilerific version. Okay. Yeah. Maybe that's not worded the best, but it's like, uh, it's just, I don't know. It's anyway. Yeah. He does have his own style. It kind of felt like Blade Runner too, at times, just like the, the neon, another, another element of it. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of great in this. It's, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's yeah, it's just, just slightly long, but that's, yeah, that's it. I thought it was great. It's that's our main complaint. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah 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 i i mean yeah three hours i guess it was just it was inevitable but yeah if it was like two hours and 30 to 40 minutes it, that'd be probably a good length people would say that's long but i think that's about probably about right for this movie yeah though i mean if it was even longer i wouldn't have you know i don't think we would have complained either in terms of what yeah, de- i know there's stuff they cut depends on what happens of course but mm-hmm. yeah it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like it's dragging or the pacing is off too bad mm-hmm. it, it's i don't know what it there's just, yeah it's just some some parts especially near the end might have been better served if truncated at least a little bit or combined or combined yeah combined mm-hmm. uh so yeah come back for the spoiler review that's it 8.5 8.75 maybe let's say that for me i'd agree with that yeah 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 yeah, that's uh, so. Yeah, pretty, pretty fucking solid though overall. So. I'm surprised. I'll say one last thing. I know we got to get to the actual fucking episode, Ben. Yeah, yeah. no problem. But there, uh, there's. I, I'm surprised by how many people like. I was seeing rankings today, and mm-hmm. people really like still rank Batfleck as number one, Batman, and like I, I like Batfleck a lot. I was always pro Batfleck, mm-hmm. and I think his suits number one. Yeah, but I. For me, I think, I think Pattinson's probably better than Batfleck overall. But that's just me. I thought he did very well. I, I really like Pattinson. I really like I'd agree Pattinson. with that. You feel yeah. for him a lot more. And again, it's yeah. not really 
you know, it's never the actor's fault. It's not really Ben Affleck's fault and stuff. Yeah. It's just the material Pattinson is given. This is, you get way, like, I think Pattinson arguably has even more screen time than Ben Affleck did in all the movies. If you combine, <laughs> because he's in like yeah. 99% of the scenes in this movie. Wearing the shit out of that bat suit and emoting yeah. the fuck through the cowl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then just there's a lot of different qualities that they wanted to highlight in the character that we've seen before, but maybe not necessarily portrayed in the same way or yeah. shown in this specific way and, and the, the way that they make you show how just tortured this character is while also still heroic in his own way is it's just it just nails the a lot of the character yeah it 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 nails it yeah mm -hmm. it it's like the way he talks and the way he walks also like there's mm -hmm. a lot of it seems like they 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 had they had talks about how batman should walk and it's just yeah. everything feels so deliberate yeah everything exactly. is planned and it mm -hmm. it just really works you know so yeah exactly yeah all right well Guys, join us for the spoilerific discussion, which will be called The Batman versus Comics, though more appropriately, it's probably The Batman and Comics, considering, well, you know, you'll have to find out. Versus just sounds good. Yes. <laughs> Batman v. Comics. Yes. So <laughs> see you guys then. It's time to tap in with the HyperX Quadcast S microphone. The stunning HyperX Quadcast S features dynamic, customizable RGB lighting a convenient tap-to-mute sensor, and four selectable polar patterns, so we can broadcast crystal clear audio, whether you're gaming, streaming, podcasting, or impressing your remote colleagues and classmates. So what are you waiting for? Join the Quad Squad and tap in today with the HyperX Quadcast S microphone. Come on in, what can I get you? Sure, I've heard of Hair of the Dogcast. They're that podcast about video games and beer. From the latest gaming headlines to diving deep into the games of yesterday to sampling and reviewing craft beer from all over the world, Hair of the Dogcast is here for the gamer and beer lover in all of us. Available weekly on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Take a time machine back to before the world went to hell around the year 2000. The 80s and 90s were so rad. The movies, the music, the TV, the games? That's what I want to talk about. If you're cool enough, join us and listen to Less Than 2000, because that's all we talk about. Adam and Chad live Less Than 2000. Lord have mercy, y'all. Do you like hounds? Do you enjoy pooches? Do you find yourself enjoying time spent with that of canines? Talking about dogs, y'all. As you might have heard, Superhero Stuff You Should Know has now teamed up with BarkBox. For every month, you get a box for your special canine. Pooches. Or hounds. That's right. One free extra month if you go to BarkBox.com slash Superhero Stuff Pod. Follow the link and you'll get a free extra month valued at $35 and valid for all multi-length plans. So get the BarkBox for your hound, for your pooch, for your canine. Your doggo will thank you. And welcome to the spoilerific discussion, the Batman versus comics. Well, it should be more like the Batman and comics, because let's be frank, we're not really going to do what we did with the Dark Knight trilogy, where it's just like, here's all these creative decisions Nolan did, and here's the comic version and the differences. Because the differences aren't really as fundamentally major, in my opinion, Yeah, as there were with the Dark Knight trilogy. It's more of just like, well, the Riddler design is different, and the origin's slightly different, but like you still have these other aspects. And, or other aspects that might not be in these specific versions of the characters that 
they could still develop in other versions, you know? So overall, let's dive in. So uh, first, inspirations. In in April 8, 2018, tweet, Matt Reeves said that his favorite stories were Year One, The Long Halloween, Dark Victory, Darwin Cook's Ego. He cited Neil Adams' work as well as loving the original Cane and Finger Run from 1939 to 1940. In a later interview, he said that he read a ton of the Scott Snyder run. And there's definitely elements of Zero Year as well as an element from the Court of Owls. Uh, we also saw a lot of the Earth One comics in this. Uh, so for those listed, we did cover Year One, Ego, and the Cane Finger Run in our Patreon episodes as well as the Long Halloween in both our main show and our Patreon covering the comparisons between the Long Halloween comic and the Long Halloween animated movie. So check that out if you're part of our $5 tier. Uh, they released Year One, Ego, and the Long Halloween, of course, in their own box set. And then when we went to see the movie, they gave us the first issue of The Long mm -hmm. Halloween with um, its own exclusive cover. So that was pretty cool going in. So let's go into the movie. As a disclaimer, I only saw it last night. I've only seen it once. So I'm going off of memory here. But <laughs> and I only had one day to prep all this. So here we go. <laughs> Woo! Uh, movie brings up that before the events of the story, there was a major drug bust involving mob boss Salvatore Moroni. Moroni, of course, is known as the guy who threw acid in Harvey Dent's face, turning him into Two-Face. Moroni's first name being Salvatore comes from The Long Halloween, where writer Jeff Loeb had changed it from the original name, Vincent Moroni, from the story he was retelling, Andrew Helfer's Eye of the Beholder. Check out our episode, Is the Long Halloween Overrated, from last year, where we covered how The Long Halloween was basically a remix of that story and The Godfather. But... Another big thing is the opening is in Halloween, which I thought was really fucking cool. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. I love that. So that's another nice connection. But yeah, overall, Long Halloween, writer Jeff Loeb, art by Tim Sale, letters by Comicraft and Richard Starkings, colored by Gregory Wright. And uh, Matt Reeves has a personal connection to the writer Jeff Loeb because Jeff Loeb was his teacher, screenwriting teacher at USC, also my alma mater. Damn, um, that's cool. Yeah. So that's pretty cool there. Uh, in a very disturbing opening, the Riddler appears and kills the mayor. <laughs> the way they did that was just, uh, it was, we were just gripped. It was gripping in the theater, just the way that it was done. Uh, yeah. And this Riddler is very much his own sort of vigilante trying to expose corruption. And this is kind of similar to the Arkham Origins Riddler, who is trying to expose corrupt officials. And this kind of carried over into the Batman Earth One series which was pretty inspirational overall, though thank God they did not carry over the question mark tattoo. <laughs> Dano's look was was better overall. Yeah, it's way a, better. Yeah, yeah, he just looks just fucked up, man, and and like honestly, kind of on the spectrum, you know. To yeah. be honest with you, um, I was glad his that, question marks were on his costume and in the coffee, and that's it. <laughs> no, that's a, like you know, strip off, and I've got all these question marks tattooed on my body, like none of that bullshit. That's about it. And I, I love that they gave the only fuck to Penguin when he says, Happy fucking Halloween. <laughs> the one fuck it you get in a PG-13 movie. Wait, wasn't that the commissioner? Was that him? Oh, I thought was, it was Penguin. The commissioner said, I remember the, the commissioner saying fuck. I don't remember the Penguin saying it. Oh, shit. Let Maybe us know in the comments. fucks now. Wait, yeah. see, we're, we're still processing, guys. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Earth One was a major influence. Written by Jeff Johns. Pencils by Gary Frank. Inks by John Seibel. Colors by Brad Anderson and letters by Rob Lee. Uh, when we first meet Bruce Wayne, he wears an additional disguise that's dubbed the Drifter with a backpack containing his bat suit. And this allows him to sort of stealthily walk the streets and change into the Batman when he needs to. 
Matt Reeves says this is inspired by the disguise that he wore in year one, which itself was inspired by Travis Bickle in Taxi Driver. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, the name of the Drifter is actually from year one. In the comic, a cop actually refers to Bruce's disguise as, quote, I've run in a thousand, in a thousand like him. Drifters. So that's probably where they got that. Uh, okay, yeah, there's yeah, yeah. also a resemblance to Bruce's disguise in a flashback from the comic Whatever Happened to the Cape Crusader with art by Andy Kubert where he flat out has the bandana around his nose and mouth and is in the jacket and riding a motorcycle. Big thanks to Alex from the What Mean Podcast for actually sending this to me and pointing that that's out. That's cool. Yeah. So thank that's you. cool here. Uh, this guy's also similar with a baseball hat to what Bruce kind of wears in zero year to remain incognito until his uncle outs that he's still alive. So... That's sort of the connections to the Drifter. Let's go into Batman. So his bat suit, as discussed before, looks like the Telltale costume from the finale of the first game and all of the second game. The cowl has stitching on it, much like the stitching in the Batman Earth 1 cowl. And the suit has a collar on it, much like the cowl from Gotham by Gaslight, as well as the Batman from Sean Murphy's White Knight comics. Uh, Batman's line, I'm Vengeance, also evokes the line from the Batman Earth 1 scene where he confronts Penguin. Batman at one point electrocutes one of the gang members using a gadget. This feels similar to the shock gloves from Arkham Origins, which I think a lot of people pointed out when they right, saw this part in the trailer. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So uh, Batman from here sees the bat signal, gets called to the crime scene of the mayor's death, where we first meet Jim Gordon. Jeffrey Wright is playing Gordon, and this is not the first time that Gordon's been black, or the idea of Gordon being black has been proposed. In the 2003 Wizard Magazine pitch for Ultimate Batman, Gordon was made to kind of look like Morgan Freeman in Seven, as we see on the right. So oh, that's, that's kind of an interesting thing. And of course, Seven is kind of... it. I mean, it wasn't cited formally as an influence on this movie, but everybody said, like, oh, it feels like Seven when they saw the first trailer. So uh, it's definitely got a Fincher vibe. It does, yeah. You know, so, and Fincher also I mean, did Zodiac and was involved with Mindhunter, which you were also credited as his inspiration. So it kind of makes sense. Yeah, anything that has this kind of super gritty, dark vibe. Yeah. these days, I mean, they kind of owe Fincher a debt of gratitude, probably. Yeah, especially, so. yeah, yeah, especially this one. Yeah. Uh, at the crime scene, we meet Police Commissioner Pete Savage. The names of the corrupt officials in Gotham City don't really come from the comics. Mayor Mitchell and D.A. Colson are not comic book characters, but they are named after John Mitchell and Charles Colson from the Nixon administration in the Watergate scandal. Uh, oh, cool. Pete Savage, however, was not, or the name Savage does not come from the Watergate scandal. Pete Savage is actually from Batman 66. Nice. So, Matt Reeves mainly seems to be drawing from TV shows rather than previous movie interpretations here. Pete Savage was the name of the descendant one of the founding families of Gotham, the Savages, and was played by, uh, I believe he's a French actor, Albert Carrier, or he's putting on a French accent in the episode. It's the episode, An Egg Grows in Gotham, written by Stanley Ralph Ross, and it was the debut of Vincent Price's Egghead, who, as you can see here, took him hostage. So, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, if your name is Pete Savage in Gotham, you're already getting screwed by some supervillain. Yeah, right? So after investigating the mayor's death, Bruce returns home to Wayne Tower, and the Wayne Tower we get is very similar to the New 52. Take a look at that, as designed oh, by shit. Greg Capullo. Yeah, we've got right. the uh, two points at the top that kind of look like the bat ears here. So <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this is more of Zero Year, written by Scott Snyder, art by Greg Capullo, inks by Danny Mickey, coloring by FCO Placencia, and letters by Nick Napolitano. Uh, Bruce living in Wayne Tower is something that sort of happened in the 1969 story, One Bullet Too Many, which is also what Bruce does in the Dark Knight movie. 
In this take on the origin, however, it seems that Bruce has been living there since before his parents were even murdered. So he's been there for a long time. Uh, this is also kind of reminiscent of Zero Year, where Bruce brings up that he wants to live in the city rather than in Wayne Manor, because being in the city is where the action is, where the streets are. Right. Uh, in this version, the Batcave is also located under Wayne Tower, much like the headquarters for Bruce Wayne in Zero Year. Uh, but also, Bruce added a Batcave at the bottom of Wayne Tower when he was living there in the 70s. So this ties into that. The comic I have here is from Steve Englehart and Marshall Rogers' Strange Apparitions, as we've covered before. So nice. this Batcave appears to be accessed through tunnels underneath the city. And the prequel novel Before the Batman by David Lumen establishes that it was a private railway for the Wayne family to just use to get home without anybody, you know, sort of disturbing them. Uh, we saw a Batcave using secret tunnels in the unmade Darren Aronofsky year one script. So there's some of that influence in there. Uh, and this is also kind of carries over into volume three of the Earth One comics, though that was released when this was in production. So I think that was more of just DC being just like, eh, it's in the movie. So just put it in the comic. Right. So one thing that I think I elbowed you at one point when we first heard the voiceover narration of yeah. Batman. I was like, like the first second or two yeah. of the movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, they did it. They did it. Yeah. So uh, Batman's narration comes from him writing in his journal. Uh, and this is actually an idea from the comics that Batman journals every night that he goes out and stuff. I don't know when he has time, but uh, <laughs> he, he handwrites it into the journal in the movie, and he does it so in the comics here. In Grant Morrison's Batman number 673, he says, quote, every afternoon I record the details in a black A4 spiral-bound notebook as if it's procedure and not just madness. So that seems to be a reference there. Another cool thing is Bruce Don's contact lenses that connect to the Bat computer for detective mode, which is from the Court of Owls in the beginning of the Court of Owls comic. Right, right. So definitely influence there. In the Batcave, we get to meet this version of Alfred who evokes the Earth-1 version with the beard, the SAS background, the fact that he trained Bruce. He also walks with a cane, much like the Earth-1 version. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was all just directly from that. Yeah. And uh, as it's mentioned... like he's our, been fucked up in the past. Yeah, he has, from war duty. or something. Yeah. Yeah. So as mentioned in our Patreon episode on Alfred, Alfred ended up being solidified, having had time in the SAS in the comics, in the Batman Eternal storyline, who, you know, he shares that debate here <laughs> in that story. Uh, Alfred also appears to have a scar around his eyes from an injury, I noticed. And Alfred's eye getting injured is what happens in the Telltale games if you make a certain choice, which leads to Alfred getting an eye patch. Obviously, Circus seems to have both eyes intact throughout the movie, so he's okay. Right. Uh, during the news report, we learned that Thomas Wayne was running for mayor before he and Martha were killed. This is similar to the unmade Tom Mankiewicz script, where Thomas Wayne was running for city council. This also inspired Earth One, where Thomas Wayne was running for mayor, and this carried over into the Joker film, where Brett Cullen's Thomas Wayne. So now I guess Thomas Wayne has been even more solidified as being some sort of political figure, and not just a philanthropist, doctor, guy who starts up Wayne Enterprises and stuff. They, they give him all sorts of different jobs at once. Right, right, right. Thomas Wayne. Uh, it's also mentioned that the Wayne's killer was never caught and that neither Alfred nor Bruce have been able to solve who did it with Maroney and Falcone both suspected as well as Alfred accounting the possibility that it was just a random thug. And so this carries over these sort of post zero hour comics that Joe Chill was not the killer and Batman was never able to find him. And I think that's the first time they've really carried that over into live action from what I remember. I mean, they weren't clear with Ben Affleck about whether or not he found 
the man who killed his parents. But, you know, there was Joe Chill in the Christian Bale version. There was the Joker for Michael Keaton. So here they just flat out say, like, no, he's never found. It's an unsolved mystery. So that was interesting. Uh, At the table, Alfred brings up his old days in the service and uses his skills as a codebreaker to try to decipher the Riddler's code. So that comes from the idea of Alfred being a spy, which we've covered before in the Patreon from Detective Comics 501. Uh, written by Jerry Conway, where it's revealed that Alfred spent time in the Secret Service. So, uh, Batman and Gordon later meet and find evidence of the late mayor leaving the Iceberg Lounge, which, of course, first appeared in Detective Comics 683, created by Chuck Dixon and Graham Nolan, who are thanked at the end, in the end credits. Uh, Inks by Scott Hanna here. Obviously, with the Iceberg Lounge comes your favorite, the Penguin. Take it easy, sweetheart. (laughs) As uh, this version works for Carmine Falcone, and it's been established the last few years uh, that there's been a connection between the two of them or Penguin's worked for Falcone in the past. So Zero Year implied this, having him work for Falcone's cousin. History is implied in Batman Eternal. Uh, they also were first shown in live action, directly working together in the show Gotham, with Oswald also sort of secretly trying to undermine him or waiting to grab power. And uh, this ends up getting carried over as well into the war of jokes and riddles in Rebirth. Uh, we then get to the Iceberg Lounge fight. By the way, just chime in on any opinions you had of certain scenes, if you wanted to. I know I'm kind oh, of speedy yeah. through stuff. I, yeah, I didn't um, I mention Falcone. I didn't say this in the non-spoiler section, mm-hmm. but Datura was great. I was expecting him to be great. He's always yeah. great. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're looking at best Falcone ever, probably. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It is. Uh, yeah, like, it's he he's, he's lifted from the page, basically, <laughs> is what it felt like. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's one comment I wanted I wanted to make there. Um, yeah, I honestly yeah. expected him to to just show up in like two scenes and then like that was it or something. So the fact that they had this whole subplot with Catwoman wanting her revenge and stuff and him being kind of who Riddler really wanted to get to, I was like, oh shit, okay, they're really doing a lot of justice to the Falcon character from the comics right, and right, stuff. Right, right, right. So I was really surprised by that, but really enjoyed that. And uh, yeah, the the Iceberg Lounge has made it into live action film, so that was pretty yeah, awesome. that was that was cool. Definitely like that. Uh, yeah. Batman ends up in a big fight in the Iceberg Lounge. He has a grappling gun that comes out from his wrist into his hand. This is similar to the wrist grappling gun that we got in some comics, as well as the Schumacher films in the Batman eighty nine comic. However, the main influence is actually Taxi Driver. <laughs> In terms of the the sleeve gun that comes out, he actually has a Fucking sleeve grappling taxi gun. driver again. Indeed, yeah. But I'm just like that's actually a cool lift from Taxi Driver, despite all the weird connections between that movie and Batman. I'm just like, why is this movie so influential on this? But that's anyway, like all all this stuff. Yeah. Real quick too, we we went over Alfred real quick. I wanted mm-hmm. to say this: there's yeah. Batman has an arc and Bruce Wayne has an arc. Bruce Wayne's arc is tied in with his more acceptance and learning to love more of his only family alfred Mm -hmm. yeah and then bruce waynes is is learning that maybe he shouldn't be vengeance yeah you know uh and i i thought that's that was great i can't i came home kind of still processing and this morning too i was like damn they really did like knock it out with the with the Mm -hmm. character arcs there yeah and fucking um the vengeance one especially is like bookends yeah and i i always appreciate that maybe that's cheesy in some ways for some people they don't like it but i think uh, yeah having it i dug it you set yeah set it up in the beginning pay off at the very very end bookended bookended character arc thought it was great yeah yeah 
It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, also, in addition to the wrist grappling gun, he kind of uses it on the thugs like the Bat Claw from the Arkham games. So that was pretty fucking cool on that. That's cool. Uh, oh, yeah. Then, I always yeah. thought they should do that in the movies. Yeah. yeah so we saw yeah. it now. Um, yeah. I don't, just a quick side tangent, I don't really remember him using the side harpoon things. Mm. Do you remember? Oh, oh yeah. He, I don't he? think you did. I was looking out for that. Yeah, he, me too. Because I remember you making a comment. Maybe that scene was cut. Yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. It's usually just a grappling gun, but the, this isn't a grappling gun. The, the, they're darts or whatever, or harpoon things on his uh, Yeah, they're forearm, like, they're so. like, uh, a type of ninja star in a sense. Yeah. 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 So I don't really remember him using it, but let us know if we're wrong in the comments. Uh, yeah. Batman meets Penguin for the first time and he introduces introduces himself as Oz. This is similar to the Batman cartoon where he went by Ozzy and the Telltale game where he went by Oz. And of course, as noted, this version of Oswald looks like the Alex Ross version of Penguin in War on Crime. In both scenes, Batman arrives at the lounge to get information from Penguin classic trope in Batman comics of penguin kind of being the stool pigeon type of thing. And let's, of course, uh, let's also not talk. Let's, let's also, we have to talk about like this movie, like the dark Knight, had a mm -hmm. scene where he, Batman is running up on dudes, fighting them in a club Night club. Yeah. With, you know, the music and everything to me, that was another like minor, uh, thing that I had with the movie. I know it's like year two Batman, but, like he all he's always going through the front door and like i could have i would have liked liked it if he used a little bit more stealth here and there you know find another way in or, or whatever but he did he, i guess he does like when he wears the fucking like, the the end, drifter yeah. yeah so the drifter thing is a kind of stealth thing so he has I, a stealth I do give arc, it up to Andrew. that he's got a stealth arc that's <laughs> wait what's the arc with the stealth thing well he becomes stealthy at the end that, I, I don't know. I'm, not, I'm, I'm joking. Around okay. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It is reminiscent of remember during the Aronofsky year one, I was just like, this Batman doesn't uh, do any ninja skills. He just barges in and beats the shit out of you. And that's kind of what we had. We got out of this. May and maybe he'll grow into it. And I don't, I don't think they even need to explain it. It's just in the second movie, he's already more stealthy, mm -hmm. just, you know, just a little, a little bit more like in the shadows kind of shit. But, uh, Still, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of minor because there was a smoke bomb, kind of, yeah, in the, at the end at the as end. well. So yeah. at least we got a little bit of those those kind of things with this movie. So I think the most stealthy was was the when he came to prevent Selena from killing Falcone when he slips in as the Drifter, then kills the lights, yeah. and then he's fighting people in the dark and stuff. I'm just like, this is this is prime in the shadows, Batman. Dude, I could have had like ten more minutes of that, bro. I know. Yeah, I, I, I really <laughs> thought they 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 cut that too short or something. And they were like, "Ah, oh, we're already at four hours." <laughs> I feel like most of the yeah, I feel like most of the action scenes I could have used even more. A, even though I still like them. Yeah, yeah, it was I done. Yeah, them, they were but, done well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The action scenes too shot very well, just like everything else was. But mm -hmm. uh, like they're they're long takes. Like they don't cut after like in mm -hmm. the middle of punches and shit like they do in some other movies. Yeah, I, I appreciated that. Like I could follow the action, which was yeah, yeah, definitely. which was great. Yeah. Let's see. Back to Penguin. Penguin wears a purple blazer that was deliberately done to be reminiscent of the comics, uh, as well as a connection to the Burgess Meredith version of Penguin, who wore purple. Colin mm -hmm. Farrell is also on record saying that he wanted the Penguin to smoke, at least have a yeah. cigar, if not the classic cigarette holder. But apparently, the studio did not want that to happen. 
because everything else that these characters did was okay, but penguin smoking just draws the line. So, dude, this uh, is just the weird shit with America, right? <laughs> like, you know, you can't you can't show a, a nipple, but you can show somebody's head getting blown off. Yeah. You know, like we just have weird, weird laws with this kind of stuff. Police commissioner gets his face eaten off by rats, and they're just like, eh, don't have penguin smoke. <laughs> we can't we can't have a smoke, okay? <laughs> Yeah, it's so, it's like, it's strange, yeah. man. Burgess Meredith is the last penguin who smoked because Danny DeVito spat out he spat out his cigarette holder, and uh, Robin Lord Taylor's penguin only got to smoke in like a dream sequence in Gotham. So, oh, weird. Maybe yeah, they'll let him do it in the HBO Max HBO Max one. Weirdly strict smoking laws yeah. or whatever for for film, not laws, yeah. but you know it's a. Uh, standards and practices or something it's it's a self-regulating thing i think mostly with yeah the mpaa that you know so anyway yeah mm-hmm. yeah i hear you uh when batman's there he meets selena kyle for the first time who's posing as a waitress there this stays true to catwoman's roots of being often in disguise she first appeared disguised as this old lady on the left the old lady miss pegs as we talked about in the page yeah. from uh, batman number one by bill finger and bob kane uh, Selena also works at a bar at the Iceberg Lounge. This is similar to Selena in the Gotham TV show, where she worked at the Sirens Club, which became the Iceberg Lounge in the show. Uh, it's also implied that Selena Kyle is, uh, as well as Annika, uh, they're, that they're both lovers, with Selena calling her baby, and Zoe Kravitz actually being on the record saying that she interpreted her Catwoman to be bisexual. So okay. this is not a random change that the movie decided to make in order to you know get with the times. This has been in the comics since 2015 at least. Uh, this is a panel from Catwoman number 39. So uh, again, staying true to the comics. Selena transforms into Catwoman and ends up going to the mayor's house to break into the safe where she meets Batman for the first time, similar to the Telltale version where they met after Catwoman also robbed from the mayor's safe. Right. Uh, one Twitter user named Batman Curated noted this similarity of Batman on top of Catwoman during the fight with uh, Tim Sale's art here from Dark Victory. But I mean, of course, you're going to have stuff like this for the Batman Catwoman dynamic. It's kind of unavoidable. It's inevitable. Yeah, uh, it's you inevitable. Know, yeah. yeah, I don't know if it's direct yeah. lift, but it's it's it's, it's going to happen. Uh, after this, yeah. Batman takes Catwoman back to her apartment, and they find out the police commissioner has been killed with his face eaten off. Uh, this is slightly <laughs> similar to, <laughs> yeah. PC-13, guys. Yeah. Uh, I felt like this was kind of a nod to the puzzle death traps that uh, Riddler put together. Yeah. He did this to Mr. Eagle in Detective Comics number 140, and that was adapted into Batman 66, again with Batman 66 here, uh, in a puzzling controversy episode with John Aston as the Riddler. So, dude, I uh, was th- we had just covered this, so I, was, I had this in my mind yeah. uh, when, I, when I was watching it yeah that's also kind of just like i'm glad we did this lead up because i can i'm like i have everything fresh in my mind enough to just know because as you i think you joked in an old episode that like we would watch the batman and like my mind would just explode with the amount of easter egg stuff and it it kind of did in a way where i'm just like i gotta keep track of all this stuff right now i gotta watch this actual movie (laughs) just take it in as is at at least on the first viewing yes uh i'll be more relaxed in the second viewing i think now that i don't you know we're recording this now uh, yeah. Under the black light on the death track trap, uh, Batman and Gordon discover the Riddler's question mark, similar to how the Riddler's question mark shows up similarly with the same light in the Earth One comics. 
Yeah. Uh, Batman then has Selena go undercover in the Iceberg Lounge 44 below club wearing the context. And I just love the scene where it looks like he was about to kiss her. He's like, look at me. And she looks oh, at him dude. and he's like, looks good. <laughs> like, yes. The, the palpable <laughs> uh, sexual tension is yes. so good between those yeah. two. Yeah. They really they just nail nail every every bit of that. Yeah, because I'm just like, eh, yeah. he's not going to kiss her now. This is this feels weird for where he's at. And then he's like, looks yeah. good. I'm just like, perfect. Yeah, yeah. That was so perfect. Yeah. I even said it out loud next to you. I was like, this is yes. so good. Yes, I, uh, I, I love that as well. That was a great moment. Yeah. That's another thing, real quick. It's fucking like, the movie's like really dark. It's about as dark as a PG-13 movie can get. But it does have humor. And mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. Uh Mainly with Gordon and his interactions with Gordon, but uh, yeah, yeah, it th- it would have been just too overly dark and too self serious if you have like no humor in the movie. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I was really appreciated that, and, and the I, humor to me, fits. The humor fits; it works the whole time. I thought yeah. it was really funny. The whole like, yeah, the no gun thing is more your thing. <laughs> yeah, Chief keeps calling him Chief. Yeah. Which I thought was great. I want. I I bet you anything. I think it was that was Jeffrey Wright. Yeah, Jeffrey I think Wright he was actually addressing the chief in that moment, though. Yeah, I think doesn't he keep? He keeps calling Batman chief. I think he calls him man. I don't know. Let us know in the comments. <laughs> I can't. We're just I going think, off of what I we feel, saw. Unless once. I'm fucking totally remembering this wrong, but it was, yeah. I, but I remember. Yeah, anyway. uh, yeah, I remember at one point I'm like, did he just call Batman chief? And then I realized like, oh, the police chief's right there. That's why. That's the only time I remember picking up on that. But I might be wrong. Let us know. In the yeah, comments. forgot. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So when Selena goes undercover, she ends up running into Carmine Falcone, played by John Turturro. Already covered look at this, it, but look, at, look this. at this. He's got the My mustache. God. The first Carmine Falcone in live action to have the mustache. Also, <laughs> he's got the three scars on yeah. his cheek. So perfect. And as we've talked about before, Jeff Loeb fan cast John Turturro as Alberto Falcone in Wizard Magazine for a potential Dark Victory movie back when. He wrote the comic, uh, but of course, after years have passed, it's way better to have him as Carmine. And I also like that they oh, went yeah. with calling him Falcone, which is what I read in the comics in my head whenever I read that. Uh, it always felt a little weird to me when Batman Begins went with Falcone. I'm just like, yeah, it doesn't sound as menacing to me as Falcone. You know, I see what you're saying, but there's <laughs> there's maybe some gray area that with could Italian be the, the Italian Americans. Yeah, <laughs> there's a. You know, it's a whole other thing, you know, yeah. like uh, yeah, Italian American pronunciation and actual yeah. Italian pronunciation. And, and it's a whole other thing. I'm not going to get into it. So well, anyway. let us know if you're Italian and what it's pronounced in the comments yeah. below. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, Batman later tells Gordon about how D.A. Coulson is involved. And Gordon says that Gotham is a powder keg. And Batman says, and Riddler's the match. This is a hell of a find. A Reddit user named Jay Zoo found this panel from Batman number 342, where Batman says, Gotham City, like all cities, is a powder keg commissioner, and all we need is one lunatic with a match. So, Damn. yeah, good find. Writer was Jerry Conway. Art here is from Irv Novick, who's also thanked in the end credits. Uh, Frank McLaughlin and Shelley Lefferman on letters and colors by Adrian Roy. So, great find to that user. Really uh, good. Bruce Wayne goes out in public for the first and pretty much only time in the film to <laughs> investigate the funeral only because he's just like serial killers show up at funerals a lot of the time. So I'm just like, this is perfect. Of course. Of course. Well, serial killers done. want to <laughs> see their work or something. Yeah. There was yeah. some sort of like MO with, with and, he, and it's not wrong. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, as far as yeah. I know anyway. Yeah. So yeah. And he just, it's just almost begrudging. Like he, 
he it's like he's itching to get back in the suit again yeah. of course he doesn't say that but it's just yeah he just doesn't want to do it man i thought that was so cool <laughs> yeah which i mean fits this early version of batman and i'm kind of i feel like what's to come is the embracing of bruce wayne embracing that uh, other side at some point yeah you yeah, know the not humanity yeah like he's close to it he's closer to it at the end of this when he's like i gotta be a symbol of hope for Gotham, but he's still not like, I'll do that as Bruce Wayne too. And I think that maybe that's the arc for the second movie. Maybe the second movie is going to be that. That's just my speculation. Um, yeah, it's probably not. They probably got like bullet points of this script. Yeah. It's pro- there's no script, guys. We're, yeah. At least at this point. The movie just came out. And if they did have it, we certainly wouldn't have access to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless yeah, we were so. writing it. So, yeah. Uh, basically, <laughs> I know the long haired look from Bruce Wayne is meant to evoke Kurt Cobain. However, fans have brought up that it's also reminiscent of how Bruce Wayne was drawn in some of the 80s comics here done by Gene Colan and Klaus Janssen for Batman number 344. So that's kind of a find from the fans like as well. Late, late 70s, early 80s, like I don't feel like it was too uncommon. You yeah. Know, I, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he's being more Kurt Cobain-y here, but yeah. he's also like a complete fucking recluse in this. Uh, he's, it's, it's severe Cobain vibes when he's just around his place as well as when he visits Falcone and he's just he's, sort of like sauntering in with like the long hair. He's so detached and they don't give one flying fuck about the playboy aspect in this yeah, film. Yeah, it's not here. Yeah. Not even a, not even as a facade. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's yeah, not interested movie, in it. Yeah. This movie cares, cares very little about Bruce Wayne, man. And it's such <laughs> an interesting, cool take to me. Yeah, like I think the public perception of him is he's a recluse, and that's it. That's that's and all. They're it is. like, "Fuck, the, Bruce Wayne is here." Yeah, it's not because he's famous; it's because I haven't seen him in fucking forever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. So yeah. it's just, yeah, that, I thought that was it's cool. It's it's done very well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, other stuff on the funeral. Bruce drives himself to the mayor's funeral. Alfred does not drive him. That was interesting. Mm. Uh, a Twitter user named LWYRUP showed that there's a similarity between what he drove and the 1970s Neil Adams Batmobile with a 1960s Corvette Stingray being kind of the, the car identified in question. So that's mm. pretty cool. That's that is cool. That's, that, that is very Batmobile-esque. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like it's the feel of Batmobile, but enough of a Bruce Wayne thing where it's it doesn't yeah. seem like it gives away the identity. Yeah. Also, I got to give props to Matt Reeves on misdirection. This exterior funeral scene was shot out in public, so naturally we got set photos to speculate on for the last like two to three years, and those photos showed that Falcone's date to the funeral was Zoe Kravitz, which is not what happens in the movie. It's someone <laughs> Bruce only thinks is Selena, but That's Zoe true. was clearly there on the set in the outfit, and I love that Reeves did this because we thought from seeing this around the internet, Selena would be in this scene, and we think in the movie, oh, it's going to be her when she turns around. And when she turns around, it's not her. It's a genuine surprise, even if you've seen these fucking photos. It was, yeah, I was expecting this as well. I was yeah. like, damn, I thought, I was like, I thought I've seen her in this fucking getup. It's good. They tricked yeah. us. Yeah. They yeah. Tricked it, us. It's good, man. It's good. It's a hell of a chess match move as well, because of the fact that her outfit is also similar to what Selena's actually worn in the comics. She wears right. this in the funeral at Dark Victory. So, like, there's a comic Easter egg within. In this misdirection, everyone thinks, oh, she's going to show up in it, and then she doesn't, and everybody gets surprised by it. Now, and I just, I love that. Again, I'm the learner on this podcast, everybody. If this is your first episode watching us, 
this is the is this the first time Selena's been the daughter of Falcone? It has not actually. I'll go okay. into it. With, okay, I'll go okay. into it. It's uh, not normal though, right? I'm I'm not crazy. You're you're not crazy. It's just it hasn't been brought up in previous adaptations where they both existed. Okay. So right. obviously it was not part of the Nolan trilogy because Falcon was not part of the story anymore by the time we got the Dark Knight Rises. And then Gotham just never went there. Right, right, right. With Selena. Okay. So I was like, okay, we got Falcon and we got Selena Kyle in this. Could this happen? And then there's also yeah. you know, being cited the Long Halloween and the Dark Victory comics. So right. I'm like, eh, is a possibility here. So when it happened, I'm just like, it's the, the moment where She's like, I don't have a relationship with Falcone. And Batman's like, yes, you do, and stuff. I'm just like, it's, they're doing it. She's the daughter. They're doing it. <laughs> oh, you saw it coming. Yeah, because of the, the fact it's in, uh, it's in Dark Victory, and they put it in the Long Halloween animated movie. That was a total shock to me. Like, I yeah. didn't even think, I wasn't even thinking that. Like, they, they got me on that one. That's their equivalent of, because, you know, Chinatown's an influence on this. So that's their take on oh. the whole, you know, uh, oh, I guess yeah. twist on on uh father, like who the father is of somebody yeah of let's you know that movie's anyway. like what, 40 fucking years old but <laughs> it's a classic so we won't spoil it i guess yeah yeah uh we'll cover that in our patreon on cinematic influences because i got a whole other thing on that uh okay. but moving forward at the funeral if you've bought the chinatown blu-ray you're welcome <laughs> yes i worked on the blu-ray for that anyway it's all i'll say uh at the funeral <laughs> this is when i knew like Turturro was he lived up to expectations because like he only has like a little split second intro with selena where he's kind of he's all creepy and stuff but here the just the presence is felt and you've got pattinson and Farrell there already but like he's the one who owns the scene where he's just like yeah like your father saved my life i showed up at the doorstep with bullets in my chest and even you were up there you were just a little kid looking up from the stairs and i'm just like that's right out that's is completely out of long halloween even with bruce looking yeah. from the stairs so that is like <sighs> Penguin is like on the surface, like sleazy. Well, they both are very sleazy, but yeah. there's something about Falcone in this one. I'm well, probably in all the versions. I don't know, but he's so uh, like there's an there's an another layer of sleaziness on like yeah. that's not to the surface, you know, and it gets revealed later. And he's just a smooth, cool guy criminal at first, you know. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, there's something way worse here. And like, whenever he's talking to Bruce, it's like given this confession, and it's like the confession is we're in the spoiler talk territory, yeah, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. like, it, the the confession is total, maybe not bullshit, but there's a lot of spin. Yeah. He's putting a lot he knows of spin on it. How to pull the strings? Yeah. And he's so smooth with it, and that's just that's another layer. That's just another layer right there, you know. It was one of those where I'm just like, yeah, I, I buy that this guy has been running Gotham for 20 years. I Fuck buy that yeah. this is this guy's been the yeah. king of all that. I buy that this is like the actual face of true evil because, you know, the other – like Riddler is fucked up, but he's born from some sense of pain. There's a humanity to him. Falcone has none of that in this. Riddler's only – like they say, he's only taken out – I mean, he's obviously evil, but he's taken out just corrupt people. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and Falcone, obviously, he wouldn't give a fuck if they're in if they're in his way, they're in his way. Yeah, kind of yeah, guy. So exactly. I love gangster shit in movies, though. Don't it was we so all? Good. Yeah, so yeah. good. Uh, at the funeral, we do meet the police chief we were previously talking about. Uh, his name is Mackenzie Bach. 
I don't know how I feel about this because Mackenzie Bach is a completely different character in the comics. He's one of Gordon's loyal detectives in the GCPD, not his superior. It was just like, did they have to go off that name for this one? He's not even the same guy. Like, they might as well just make up their own name because, like, Pete Savage came from 66. They could have taken some random name from that, but whatever. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, Batman gets caught in the Riddler's explosion trying to save D.A. Coulson and ends up failing. He wakes up at the GCPD. Gordon helps him to escape, and in the process... Batman punches Gordon, which is also right out of Batman Earth One. Love so, that scene. Yeah. Great scene. Uh, in that comic, Batman and Gordon were at odds, genuinely at odds, whereas in here it was sort of to, to cover for Gordon's ass so that he could escape without people, you know, without him getting in trouble. Uh, Batman basically uses the grappling gun to get to the top of GCPD headquarters, where he reveals the wingsuit glider, which seems like a possible reference to Batman Year One, but actually, as you look on the right here, it's closest to the 1940s comics. Look at that shit. It's basically the same stuff. That is true. Yeah. I, you know, I liked, I, I know they want to keep it grounded, but the, the imagery of him using the fucking cape as the actual. Uh, From Nolan. It, yeah. Yeah. Like I, to me, that's still the, at least that I like that a little more, but I love how it looked like this was like his first or second fucking time. Like he's really fucking. <laughs> scared shitless to jump off of this fucking roof yeah like he's he's prepared for it he's got the fucking thing ready but th- that was some great direction again it was and yeah. great and great acting like i thought i did think that was great um so I mean, maybe we'll get like the wings in the next one or whatever but yeah, yeah that, he this upgrades was, it. it was cool yeah because clearly it it wasn't completely 100 percent great because of the fact that he just flat out crashes to the ground which i also thought was reminiscent of earth one i was not expecting yeah. that at all uh, yeah. But yeah, Earth One with the grappling gun failing him in the comic, but here it was the the wingsuit. So yeah, it's it was actually Jerry Robinson who first illustrated this sort of flying squirrel wingsuit type of thing, uh, which is like it's kind of weird. I think the cleanest imagery is just the giant bat type of thing with the cape turning into it, just like in Batman Returns and the Dark Knight trilogy. So, uh, but let's go into I, something. I wouldn't need it explained either. Like in this yeah, film, that's true. like, like he, Nolan, like takes care to explain everything and that's fine for those movies. Mm-hmm. But if Pattinson just fucking like, woof, when we get the fucking imagery of him flying the city like that without, you know, with just the wings, it was just the Cape. I would have, I would have just, I would have just taken it. If he's yeah. value. Like yeah, it was like, exactly. all right, cool. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's fine. Let's talk about something though, where we did like the design. The Batmobile. So Dude, Batman yeah. and Gordon later go after the Penguin. We get the debut of the Batmobile. I was grateful for the theater we were in because we could feel, we could feel the engine of that thing. Dude, the theater. IMAX we were in was like, dude, I haven't felt such great sound design since Nolan's Dunkirk in the theater, where mm-hmm. every gunshot was great, and this and this fucking car rumbling was like, yeah, <laughs> it was good, man. Yeah, yeah, it was great. You could feel the monstrosity. Yes. And that build up when Penguin's just staring at it and he's like, oh, fuck, as he's looking at this thing that's heading towards him. So, Did you uh, end up watching Christine? I did. Yep. You did see it. Okay. I did see it. I did see it. And I was just like, okay, I'm wondering how much of an influence, because it's also another muscle car. So I'm just like, okay, yeah. is it just the muscle car thing? And then I get to a scene where the car is driving and it's on fire. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. I know where you, I see you now, Matt Reeves. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, the Batmobile kind of, you know, as, as we've talked about before, some negative reactions have been like, oh, like it's just a car. I'm just like, well, yeah, because the first Batmobile of all time 
did look like a regular car, a quote-unquote specially built high-powered auto. Detective Comics number three. Batmobile taste is so polarizing, but I like that it's just a car, Mm -hmm. and... I like it's that. It's, just a, car. it's not a fucking big ass tank, dude. It just yeah. Yeah, we've already, we've covered it a million times, but yeah, it I've really appreciated this. This is a great Batmobile. It's a great take, yeah. And yeah. It, it, it doesn't have to be a tank. When that thing comes after you and it goes through the fire and still comes and basically makes penguins, you know, flip over. Yeah. Like you don't have to be a tank for that. Fuck no, dude. And yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was so good, man. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Batmobile also evokes the muscle car type look from the 1970s and 1980s comics. Big thanks to Dan for putting this together in a past episode. Nice. Uh, Alex Ross himself pointed out this side-by-side comparison of Pattinson in the Batmobile gritting his teeth with his own illustration of, of that. Uh, a lot of times Ross has been sort of semi-promoting his own art and the movie at the same time with these comparisons. So sometimes I'm just like, eh, it's... I get it. Like it's Batman grinning his teeth is the same thing, but also I think Alex Ross is one of the few to illustrate the eyes mm. coming out of the cowl, yeah, which yeah. is what we'd see in the movie. So that's cool. Uh, Batman captures Penguin, and we have a surprisingly hilarious interrogation scene. We all cracked up, and again, it fits the movie's tone. It was not cheesy. It wasn't just like really we're doing this now type of thing. Like it actually worked because of the characters. So uh, there was the whole. You know, El Rata Alada versus La Rata Alada type of thing. Yeah. Hablo Espanol. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that, that scene was great. <laughs> you two are supposed to be the world's greatest detective. Yep. Which of course the whole time, too, I was to thinking, that. like, that was the only riddle where I was like, they're not going to talk about, like, it being a bat. a bat. Yeah, exactly. When are we going to get to this? And why isn't, maybe Batman thinks it's too obvious. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, know. that was one of those. I'm just like, it's obviously a bat. And then it's like, well, it could be Penguin. And I'm just like, okay, well, I guess that makes sense for both of them because Penguin is an informant in the comics and they played around with your perception of that. He already sort of gave information to Batman earlier in the Iceberg Lounge. He has this reputation in the comics for doing it. So I'm just like, okay, I could see Penguin being the informant. And then, you know, when Riddler just writes back, interesting. You're just like, it's not him. And then when you find out <laughs> the riddle still applies, it doesn't apply to Batman at all. It's right. Falcone. Because the right. whole Falcon thing, I'm just like, that's fucking clever, you know, for to, to pull the wool over the eyes of actual Batman fans who have read the comics anyway, and to still right. trick them in all right. the bluff, right. it takes a lot. So right. that was pretty fucking cool. Uh, so Batman communicates to Riddler, ends up going to the Wayne Orphanage, which, according to the prequel novel, used to be Wayne Manor. And so Wayne Manor ah. was donated to become the orphanage, and that's similar to how Bruce in The Dark Knight Rises donated his house to become the orphanage. So when, basically Bruce is going through the house that he grew up in during that creepy scene. Damn, okay. Yeah. Um, I kind of wish that there was a little bit more of a blatant reference to that. Because when I read, because I I found out about that when I was listening to the audio version of the prequel novel, just a sample of it before the movie. And I was just like, Oh shit! The orphanage is is the Wayne Manor. And then when I was watching the movie, I'm just like, "Are you going to mention that was his home?" And they don't really do that, so maybe they cut that. I don't know. But yeah. at the orphanage, Bruce gets clues, which lead to the fact that Bruce Wayne is the next target, which makes Batman rush home to Alfred. And before Alfred opens the bomb, we see a Shakespeare bust in the background. Dude, yeah, we kind of called this. I think. Yeah, uh, it yeah. is. It was. Subtly featured in the background of the behind the scenes promo from DC Fandom, which is where I got this image on the left, which I don't think was in the movie. 
I don't remember oh, the Shakespeare maybe. bus being there when he's shirtless there, but obviously, oh, this well, is I would have remembered. So yeah, I would remember too. <laughs> I, I just really remembered when they saw the bus. We saw the bus with Alfred. I'm just like elbowing you, like there it is, there it is. Uh, it was, it's cool. I mean, it, it's. Yeah. I think it should be in like all the versions now. I think so not, too. Yeah, it's not overly cheesy. It's, it's. He lives in a nice ass mansion, and it it's makes a fucking sense. picture of fucking, uh, or it's a bust of, uh, of, of the Bard himself. So. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So. Obviously, this is a reference to Batman 66. Again, more Batman 66. There's more Batman 66 in this than there's been in a long time. So, mm -hmm. uh, and also very subtly done where it doesn't feel like it, it interferes with the tone of this. Not at uh, all. This is also not the first time we've gotten a Shakespeare head tribute. Some people claim that there's a Shakespeare head behind Joseph Gordon-Levitt's John Blake in The Dark Knight Rises, but looking at it, that bust in the background doesn't look a thing like Shakespeare to me. He doesn't even have a beard. So I'm going to say that's bullshit. <laughs> that's not a tribute. However. Yeah. I never, are, I never knew this. I never knew yeah. this was a thing. Yeah. Some people are just like, oh, there's a Shakespeare head. I'm just like, that doesn't look like Shakespeare at all. It just likes a, looks like a random thing. Yeah. Uh, but the Shakespeare head did appear in on the left, bottom left. I have it from the Elseworlds crossover for the CW when they introduced Batwoman. And it looks like it's a replica from the 1966 show. Or maybe it's the the bank that they sell out that I uh, that I currently own. So <laughs> that's a possibility. That's and awesome. Gotham had their own version of the Shakespeare head as well uh, on the right there. So this is probably, I believe, the third um, tribute version and fourth one in live action, if we're counting Batman 66, the original. So that was pretty cool as an Easter egg there. Uh, Alfred gets injured from the bomb, and Bruce goes home trying to piece together the clues, spray painting stuff on the ground, and then he gets called up by Catwoman up at the roof. So, uh, again, more comparisons from Batman curated on sort of the imagery here. Batman grabbing Catwoman from there. Uh, you know, Rebirth Comics as well as Batman Hush. But this is where we find out that Carmine Falcone is Selina Kyle's father, which comes from Dark Victory, which is the sequel to The Long Halloween. Dude, uh, we've probably—I apologize, bro. We probably covered this, and I totally <laughs> forgot. It's all good. Uh, and then I was shocked in the theater. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm maybe I'm glad I forgot. Like, yeah, you, yeah, be good you forgot, so that you wouldn't be like it's coming. Because like for me, I'm just like it's coming. It's, they're, <laughs> yeah, it's good, saw, they're gonna make it happen. <laughs> your brain was just analyzing a fucking mile a minute. Oh yeah, all the stuff was stuff that I had to clock in. I'm just like I better fucking remember this when I get home. <laughs> uh, so oh, man. Uh, we learn in this version, Selena's mom worked in the club and was Falcone's lover until she was killed. Selena losing her mom was also established in the post-crisis comics, specifically Catwoman number zero in 1994. Writers Doug Mensch, pencils Jim Balint, inks Bob Smith, colors by Setzer, and letters by Bob Pinaha. Uh, in that comic, as well as in the comic Batman number 81, which is what I'm showing here, Selena finds her mother's dead body. The writer of the specific comic I'm showing Catwoman number one, 81, uh, Bronwyn Taggart, as she was credited at the time, is listed under special thanks at the end of the movie as well. So I'm wondering oh, cool. how much of that comes from this specific comic. Uh, also, Selena says to Falcone later on, I'm Maria Kyle's kid. And Maria Kyle was the name that she was given in the 90s comics as well. So that's ah. all staying true to the canon. Uh, more Batman Catwoman comparisons from Batman Curated on here. But basically, in this scene, Selena kisses Catwoman. Also, t I mean, Selena kisses Batman, <laughs> not kisses Catwoman. That's a whole other movie. Uh, but she brings <laughs> up how Riddler is airing the Wayne's dirty laundry. So Bruce rushes home to the big reveal that I know you and I were anticipating, which is Riddler's reveal of Thomas Wayne's corruption. So 
Uh, yeah. This after going over the Telltale stuff and yeah. the trailers kind of hint at this all heavily. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Before we get into it, I gotta say I kind of wish they went all the way with it. I thought they were going to do the flat out like the Waynes were the biggest gangsters in Gotham. Yeah, the biggest gangsters in Gotham. Yeah, and Penguin should have said that shit, dude. Yeah, and then they backtracked on it, where it's just like, no, no, he just made a mistake with Falcone. I'm just like, so I kind of wish you went all the way. What was the deal with the mother again? So I'll bring that up right now. The, okay. In this version, uh, they stayed true to the Earth One comics, where Martha was not from the Kane family in the the traditional comics, but in Earth One, she comes from the Arkham family, and the Arkhams have a history of mental illness. So yeah. in the Earth One comics, Martha's mom killed her, you know, killed her husband and then committed suicide, and so that made Martha an orphan. And the movie also brings up that she had her own mental health issues and was in and out of the asylum, and so. Riddler exposes that Thomas Wayne got in trouble because there was a reporter named Edward Elliot who revealed like this this family history and I guess was threatening to reveal the scandal. And uh, Thomas tried to pay him off with hush money. This reporter. I'm sorry. Almost. One more time. I'm. It's I'm a little. It's, it, so yeah, his, his it's mother or, Ta- or Martha Wayne's yeah. mother killed her husband. Yeah. So basically, Martha's Martha's parents are dead yeah. and okay. she has her own mental health issues. And I think this reporter was going to reveal all that. Dude, I, this is going to be a hell of a reveal for me, but in my family, <laughs> and I learned about this when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Okay. But this felt, this part of the story, strangely enough, felt very close to home, mm-hmm. but my great grandfather, I believe maybe. Yeah. Great. Killed my great grandmother. Jesus, man, I had no idea. I have murder in my family. <laughs> I did uh, not no laughing matter, but You're it's Bruce just Wayne. it's just it's just wild. And I, I think it's because he thought he was cheating on her, or she he thought that him. she was cheating on him. Yeah, something like that. And that made my grandmother mentally ill. Okay. Cause I, she, God, dude, she's passed Jesus. away now, so I can talk about this. But yeah, she, yeah, she, she had some mental illness. So I'm watching this movie, and I'm like, this is fucking so wild, dude. Yeah. This is this is hitting Jesus. home for me real, real hard. I can imagine. But yeah, there was there, <laughs> there's some mental instability, at least further back in my family, and those were. I mean, it's no excuse, but th- th- let's just say they were different times. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah, yeah. My parents Jesus and my man. grandparents were not like this. They were, they were not. There was no murder. It was a great, a great grandfather. Never mm-hmm. met him, yeah. not once, not ever. This is. I learned about this later in life. But yeah, it was just wild Jeez. for me hearing this in the movie. Yeah, I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So. Uh, basically, a lot of this re- is around this one reporter who is going to reveal what happened, and Thomas tried to pay him off with "quote unquote" hush money, and Riddler puts the words "hush" on the screen. So this feels like a big reference to the villain Hush, whose real name is Thomas Elliot, Dude, it's not they, Edward Elliot. So I'm just like they're, they're clearly setting this, something up. Yeah, yeah, and I, this Hush villain would really fit with the tone they've established. Yeah, very much so. Like. It implied to me, I'm just like, I guess we're saying that this reporter has a son named Thomas Elliot who's going to become Hush so that the sins of the father will be visited on the son. Yeah, again. yeah, yeah. So I could see that. 
Thomas Wayne's corruption is potentially inspired by the comics, actually. There is a Christmas story, The Batman's Last Christmas in Brave and the Bold number 184, written by Mike Barr, art by Jim Aparo, where Batman discovers evidence that Thomas Wayne was bankrolling a mobster named Spurs Sanders. This may have been influential on the Telltale version of Batman, in which Thomas Wayne was just a clear-out mobster. Even more so Good old than Spurs all Sanders. Is, yeah, even more so than what happened in the movie. Um, I need uh, I need um, them to bring back Spurs for uh, Rebirth. <laughs> the Christmas special comic, yeah. <laughs> yeah, please do. Uh, the Thomas Wayne actor also did a selfie saying like, hey, I'm doing this comic research and he's reading a comic and that specific comic is Batman <laughs> Sins of the Father, which is from the oh, Telltale man. series, Batman Sins of the Father. We actually covered this back in 2020 when going over the Telltale series. That's we had, cool. Yeah, Smallville actor Bradley Stryker came to our show and read off lines as Deadshot for that finale. So from mm-hmm. the finale of that comic. So mm-hmm. that's cool. But again, Sins of the Father. So that comes about. And then in the in the Telltale games, Bruce angrily confronts Alfred, being like, what have you been hiding from me? Similar to how Bruce tells Alfred that you've been lying to me all these years and how he's been staking his whole life, you know, his whole crusade on a lie. I remember in the theater when Alfred wakes up and he's happy to see Bruce and Bruce is just immediately like, you lied to me, Alfred. Like the woman next to me or near me was just like, damn, you know, it's we're all just, just like, shows, Jesus, man. It's a character moment. It shows yeah. that Bruce is still very selfish. Yeah. He's, he's just, he's up his own well, ass also in, cut in that way. Off, yeah. Cut off from the warm emotions. He's only jumping on the fact that the man who looked out for him and lied to him. And so right. it's just like, how can I even trust you now type of thing? Right, right, right. So uh, in the hospital bed, Alfred brings up that it was his job to protect the Waynes and he failed. This implies that Alfred was the Waynes' bodyguard, like in the Earth One comics, as well as in the Batman versus Superman tie-in material on Jeremy Irons' Alfred. Alfred also directly says that he trained Bruce, like in Earth One, as well as Sean Pertwee's Alfred in Gotham. The prequel novel actually identifies that Alfred taught Bruce a combination of karate, judo, and taekwondo. So that's cool. Uh, Alfred training... Yeah, basically. Alfred training Bruce is also mentioned in the stage show Batman Live, as well as the animated series Beware the Batman. Bruce then sees the bat signal, and he and Gordon meet Selina, who finds out that Falco not only killed her friend Annika, but due to the MO of it being strangulation, he also killed her mother. So she escapes, Batman sets off to stop her from killing, killing Falcone, and along the way, Batman runs down the side of a building, which is apparently called Aussie Repelling. Shout out to the Bat Mentor on Instagram, whose handle's on here, for pointing that it. out. I love that shit, man. Yes. I thought that was great. Some people have brought up, too, that this may be a remini- reminiscent of, once again, Batman 66. With him <laughs> you know climbing. what? That's true. It's a reverse, <laughs> but you know what? I I, I, I will accept this. this I will that too, does yeah. make sense. Yeah. Again, it's like he's not drawing from much of Burton, Schumacher, Nolan, Snyder. He's drawing from Batman 66. I fucking love this. And remember, yeah, early, right? early on in the Batman's development, Matt Reeves did visit the same Batman 66 museum that we visited. That's and just right. took pictures there. That's right. It's it's he it's how he weaves a tail, you see, yeah. Ben. It's the it's the yin and the yang. You got the the white bright night side, yeah, uh, mixed in with the super dark thing that he made. So honoring the past, yeah, yeah. So uh, during the fight with Falcone and his men, Selena's wig comes off, making her resemble the year one Selena with her short hair and the leather leather bodice look that she has. 
She also uses high kicks, just like in year one, as shown here in this comparison by Twitter user Rotten Gotham. Uh, Kravitz also uses her own nails like claws, like you've also, uh, I think, sort of mentioned in one of the Patreons. So yeah, uh, yeah. true to the appearance, the first time that Catwoman used claws were her own nails in Batman number three in the Batman versus the Catwoman comic. And this also carried over in the unmade Sam Hamm Batman 2 script in his version of Catwoman. This uh, just makes sense to me. I mean, yeah. she feels very close to being a cat. So, like, yeah. why not? It works. You know? yeah. yeah. It was it was Zoe Kravitz's idea, too, to, like, what if these are the weapons, too? Like, the, my natural nails. Yeah, and so she pitched Pfeiffer that. kind of thing. Yeah, with the claws. Yeah. So yeah. during the fight, she scratches Falcone's face, true to what happens in the comics, both in year one and in uh, the New 52 comics, as I have here. So right. Batman stops Selina from killing Falcone, and Batman takes him to Gordon, with Falcone nicknaming Batman Zorro. Obvious reference there to the movie yeah. that saw before yeah. they were killed. Definitely uh, only Zorro. <clears throat> yes. just, just kidding. <laughs> uh, when they step outside, though, Falcone is shot to death by the Riddler. And this continues a tradition that if you're Carmine Falcone, you're going to get shot. So he was shot by Two-Face in The Long Halloween. He was shot by Hitman in the Gotham TV show. He was shot by a drugged Rene Montoya in the Telltale series. That's just, just the only death for you. Yeah. Yeah. So Batman, once again, sees an unmasked Riddler in the shadows running off and goes after him, like in the Earth One comic. But he basically goes off to a local diner where the cops catch up to him. And he reveals that he has two IDs. One says Edward Nashton. As we've covered before, the Riddler's real name being Edward Nashton isn't actually a change from the comics. It's from the 1989 Secret Origins comic, as written by Neil Gaiman. Pencils by Bernie Morant, inks by Matt Wagner, and colors by Joe Matt. The other alias on that ID was Patrick Parker, which is currently listed as an alias for Riddler in Wikipedia. Now, I can't currently find a source in terms of what comic that's from or what movie that's from, so let us know in the comics if you know. There's also a possibility someone saw the movie already and just added it to Wikipedia. So who knows? Right. But let us know because I'm very curious. I tried to look for it and I, I couldn't find it. So uh, Batman and the cops explore Riddler's hideout where he has a whole wall showing his obsession with the Batman, similar to Earth One. And then Batman visits Edward in Arkham, which is called Arkham State Hospital. Same name that they gave it in the 2019 Joker film, which is true to the first appearance of Arkham as Arkham Hospital. In Batman number 258, written by Dennis O'Neill and art by Irv Novick. Also stuff that Zach covered in his episode on the history of Arkham. The interrogation scene kind of tricks you into thinking that Riddler knows Batman is Bruce Wayne. And Great acting this, here also again. Oh, Dan, from, Dano killed from, it. Yeah. Dano as well, but also... Both of them, yeah. Yeah. Pattinson, he's just really good at that, man. That's it's like as like as if you could like list his um you know good points and bad points as an actor, just like really intense kind of I don't know, just the way you looked in that scene, that it was great. You could really see like yeah, feel the wheels turning watching yeah. uh just watching him react to, to like, oh fuck, is he about to say it, you know? Mm -hmm. But I, I thought about this too, and I was like why is Riddler not obsessed with who the Batman is? But the Batman, I guess, to him doesn't come off as corrupt. He's just a tool. Yeah. 
he's a tool to bring about the change he wants, but he's not like a corrupt politician. He's really after the corrupt politicians and the police. And that's really it. So Batman's kind of maybe some would see him as a police guy, but I think he, Rid- he Riddler sees doesn't as, see him like yeah. this. Like you're an this, ally yeah. to me. You know, see, yeah, we're working yeah. together. And Batman's just like, you're insane. Like, it's just, we weren't working together, that type of stuff. So, yeah. Um, the interrogation scene does try to trick you into thinking that he knows, which I think is a reference, a very blatant reference to the Hush storyline where Riddler revealed this to Batman, calling him Bruce to his face while Batman was in the visiting room in Arkham, just like in the movie. Uh, Edward brings up that he, as a young boy, saw Bruce Wayne. Uh, he was kind of the choir boy singing Ave Maria as before Thomas Wayne went up and gave his speech. So... Edward seeing Bruce from a young age and feeling that connection is similar to Peter David's Batman Forever novelization, where Edward saw Bruce's photo in a newspaper article about the deaths of the Waynes and felt a sort of a sense of kinship. Whereas here, it's the opposite. Paul Dano's Edward feels contempt. Mm -hmm. Uh, Edward also talks about liking puzzles when he was young, uh, just as we're seeing the not-so-young-looking Edward Nigma in the original Detective Comics number 140. Looking older than Chris O'Donnell in this one. <laughs> Written by Bill Finger, drawn by Dick Sprang, inks by Charles Harris. So oh, I think in this one, shit, man. Edward Nashton turned to puzzles because of the fact that they were his only like outlet. You know, He was an outcast, yeah. just like in the other versions. He does say in this movie, is like they were, uh, an es- riddles were an escape from his reality, which mm-hmm. I thought was a really great little character moment there. A character, uh, you know, it informs, it, it informs you of his uh, motivations and, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So Riddler then it, it basically delivers the creepiest rendition of Ave Maria. And I was just blown away by Paul Dano in this scene because this is the big highlight scene for him because all the other ones, he's he's all masked and stuff. So this is the first time you really get to see him uh, yeah, besides the, the rest scene emote. It's stellar. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's he's even creepy. Like that first time you hear him kill the dudes, like, oh, yeah, like the, just like the way acting's Visceral. about choices. Right. And like just his choices were were great. I mean, maybe some people would say it was a bit much or whatever, but I I really liked it. I, I thought it was it, yeah. I thought it was really good. Um, he only he also kind of sings a little bit before he goes into Ave Maria, where he's just like, I was not expecting. Yes, this. yes, so yes, like, oh yes. Oh my god! Like you're just riveted by watching the screen. Um, I I think the only, again another like minor nitpick is like I've I've I kind of wish that we would have seen more of Riddler outside of his you know videos online yeah me too uh there's just a bit there's like one or two too many of those parts like the joker had that too but it's just like one time I, I know riddler's like he's more of like an orchestrating mastermind kind of dude i'm not sure what they would have done if they'd met in person or or whatever but like maybe one more like duct tape scene one more like horror scene like yeah. a more of a hands-on riddler mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I guess he did show up in the back of that car or whatever. And that was, yeah. that was cool. But yeah, just like one, two, one or two, too many, uh, yeah. Videos from him in, in the movie. It, it kind of made it a little bit like, it's just got a little bit disconnected feeling, I guess. But again, maybe I need to see it again to appreciate that more. I'm not sure just yet. I do feel like he, if there was maybe like one or two more scenes with him without the mask. You know, yeah, like we just yeah. needed stuff like that. I, I need more like maskless Dano in this. And maybe we'll yeah. get in the sequels. But, you know, there's just it's it's a, it's a case where there's not too much of anybody. 
there's just not enough. <laughs> Even though it's three hours, it's just like, I want more of all this stuff, which there's is a testament. Only just enough Batman. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, they really like, just really are conservative with how much they show anyone else. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it just shows up just enough. I remember like in Ebert's review of, the Dark Knight, he mentions that the Joker also shows up like just the right amount of time. Yeah. And I I thought that was an interesting um, take. But yeah, it's kind of like that with everybody in this one. Yeah. Or or not enough, like we've said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Michael Giacchino's Riddler theme, as you might have noticed, is like a twisted, dark version of Ave Maria, uh, which I oh, yeah, didn't okay. quite, I didn't realize it as strongly until like the opening has Ave Maria in the background. And then the next time the score kicks in is when he, after he kills the mayor and they play the Riddler theme. And I'm just like, Oh my God. Right. Cause I had heard it before. And I heard some people saying like, Oh, it's like Ave Maria. I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. But then to hear it back to back like that in the movie, I'm like, Oh yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. So yeah, that is that's cool. great. That's cool. Uh, so yeah. Batman figures out Riddler's got something else up his sleeve. He returns to Riddler's home and to break through the police barrier and through the caution tape, he uses the bat insignia on his chest as a separate weapon to cut through it. So, Let's talk about this chest symbol. As discussed before, the earless bat chest insignia is a callback to the Bill Finger Bob Kane Batman chest insignia from Detective Comics number 27. Also, we found that those fan theories were wrong. The bat insignia is not the gun that killed his parents. This is what you get when you try to do fan theories before you find out the facts, guys. So, <laughs> I forgot about that one already. Yeah, yeah. People were just like, it looks like a gun. Oh, it must be the gun that, you know, it must be the gun that killed his parents. Just like in that one Kevin Smith story in Detective Comics number 1000 where it happened. That must be what they're doing. And now people are just talking as if it's fact. I'm just like, you don't know that. You don't right. know that. Right. And right, then right. guess what? It wasn't that at all. Right. And honestly, even if they did go with that, I'm just like, that has nothing to do with the rest of the story. Right. Like, how, like why would we need to have that here unless there was some aspect of like oh he caught joe chill in another version of you know the backstory or whatever but it's just people love that edgelord shit i mean i, I like know. i like it too to a degree but yeah there, it mm-hmm. gets overboard sometimes yeah i'm just like dude wait till the movie and then lo and behold it's not in the movie so that's what you get but uh, but he does use the shit though people were right does, about yeah. that yeah. yes it is some form of a batarang which i believe is in batman the brave and the bold animated series Executive producer James Tucker even mentioned that when he first reacted to the uh, the bat suit. I remember seeing a tweet from him on it. I couldn't get an image on what specific episode, though, on when it's used as a battering, the chest insignia. And I wasn't going to ask Dan to look into it because he has not seen the movie yet. So uh, according to the production notes, the chest insignia is a basically a magnetized folding glaucut knife. So okay. Batman carrying a knife might seem weird, but he does actually carry one. It's specified in the Darren Aronofsky unmade year one script that Batman carries a knife on him. And it's also in the comics as early as Detective Comics number 37. Dude, so, a knife is not a gun, man. It's yeah, very much can be used as a tool. Yeah. Which like is what in it does. all kinds of fucking survival mm-hmm. situation. I don't know why people have ever take an issue with Batman carrying yeah. a knife. I don't think know? they do. I'm just bringing up. Okay. That. Like, okay. It might, okay, okay, it might okay, just okay. seem like a weird thing. I'm like, why does he have to carry that? But like, it's actually, it's in the comics. It's Detective oh, Comics man. number 37. He uses it to get out of a bag when he's get stumped in water. So, okay. All from the comics. Again, that's from the cane finger run. So, uh, basically he finds out Riddler's going to cause a flood in Gotham city, which is right out of year, you know, zero year. And Batman's too late to stop it. Dude, in both instances. At this fucking point of the movie, yeah. I thought, are we about to get fucking no man's land in this motherfucker? I know, right? I thought it was going to like cut and be like, because <laughs> it was like three hours in. To be continued. Was, <laughs> yes. To be continued. Next yeah. one. 
no man's land, motherfucker. You're welcome. You know, that's what I thought mm-hmm. we were going to be getting. Um, but, but it didn't go that way, but that was, you know, that was what I was thinking. Yeah. I was wondering that too. I, I wondered if there was going to be a cliffhanger on that, but thankfully I say, thankfully there wasn't simply because like, I do like it being its own thing. With yeah, 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 definitely, yeah. So I guess let's talk about this third act, because I don't really have comic stuff to talk about on it, but my suspicion is we have the same idea in terms of what we meant by combining. So... Oh, yeah, let me hear what you got to say. Yeah, Action sequence, right? Taking out the Riddler's men and stuff. By the way, I got to watch it again. I'm pretty sure those guys end up accidentally shooting each other on that, but like... Is Batman responsible for that? We'll have to debate on that in another video. But but uh, those guys, I, okay, real ahead. quick about that. I, I was thinking that too. Mm-hmm. The 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 Riddler dudes, the henchmen, they, I think we can kind of assume they're wearing Kevlar. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah, they're these dudes are decked out like like a QAnon militia group. Yeah, I'm just gonna give the movie the fucking benefit of the fucking doubt that they're wearing Kevlar. He didn't, I mean, and Batman knows that he he's a mm. detective brain. He knows he's been punching him. He's been duking him out, duking it out with him for a, for yeah. a bit. So he fucking internet, give this movie a fucking break. Give yeah. that, give yeah. that part a break. Please. We don't know if they're going to jump on it, but we're just predicting right now. Cause this is before the movie's out. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's true. Um, I'm not used to these advanced screenings. So we're, I know. I know. Is, uh, so interesting. Yeah. You and us talking about it is before. Other people can talk to us about it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think that, okay, so then he, we get that beat with him stopping that. Then he's nearly killed. Selena saves him. Then guy comes to attack Selena. Batman's fear kicks in in terms of somebody cares about being in danger, gives himself the adrenaline shot, beats the shit out of the guy, but ends up getting stopped. And the guy says, I'm vengeance. And that creates Batman realizing, I gotta be more sees that people are in trouble and decides to become a savior and you know that's that's the that's the finale that's the third act and i think when you were talking about it because i don't know it wasn't something where i'm just like this is amazing but it's also not something that i thought was bad but in thinking about it i'm just like you know what you could have really just combined those two who says that you explain explain again what are the two things that need to be combined here him fighting the riddler guys yeah being vengeance and him saving the people you don't oh. have to make those two separate things. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We're in the same ballpark of ideas here. My my com- combining, and maybe it was, and I fucking need to revisit the movie, but okay, there's a few, there's a few things here. I think that the Riddler himself should have said, I'm vengeance line, or it should have been like what Riddler gives Batman a riddle and the answer to the riddle is vengeance or something. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah. That, like that triggers that that should have Riddler's the main villain, man. It shouldn't have been one of the henchmen. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, so mm-hmm. and he should bat you know, Batman getting his like major lesson in life should have been from the main villain of the movie. So I, mm-hmm. I it kills me, man. I, I wish this movie was like a twelve out of ten, but it's it's just not quite there. Like it has it has like these kind of minor issues. And then to combine it, like I think I agree with you. That could have combined it even more. But like, if we're gonna have like, we find out who the Riddler is, like the that very fucking second, we got to have those bombs going off. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, the, 
I think there was a few minutes in between those those actions. Like we find out who it is. Like I don't give a fuck. Guess what? There's bombs everywhere, motherfucker. <laughs> like right. put those those two elements of the script right on top of each other. Yeah, that too. And then you get even more Cracker Jack. You know, so the police yeah. capture him. Edward sees Batman. He smiles. Bombs explode. Boom, boom, yeah. boom, boom. And he's just doing the fucking smiles. Yeah. Like yeah. a creepy smile, dude, while he's mm-hmm. on the ground, maybe handcuffed or something. Yeah. Like, it would have been killer, man. Mm-hmm. It's, it kills me. It, it Like, people were, again, people have been saying this online a lot, too, and I kind of agree. It feels like there's like two crescendos, there's two third acts, a third act's a little bit kind of yeah. kind of drawn out. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's a little bit of like kind of that bloated problem from Dark Knight Rises. Not as bad as that, but... I think that there's just so many elements of the movie that are just done so perfectly. Yeah. So, so perfectly. It just kills you whenever you have these. And we're, you know, anybody on the internet like this, any, I mean, even people that are like, you know, screenwriters in Hollywood, if they weren't the screenwriter on this film, we all sit on the sidelines. Yeah. We're, we're, um, backseat drivers or whatever you call it. Like we, we weren't there. We don't know. We didn't write the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, what they did was great, but you know, everyone's a critic, right? So, yeah. So yeah. Including us. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I like that. I like that idea of capture him place blows up. There's the floods. Batman has to go after the followers. He beats up the followers, but finds that people are in danger. Then realizes he has to save the people too. So, that becomes a thing we get, you know, I, I'm not saying that I was looking for a repeat of the whole thing from the dark Knight where he's fighting the SWAT team and saving the hostage type of thing. But that type of thing could have elevated it a little further in my opinion, but what we got was still pretty solid. So great cinematography uh, with the fucking player also. Yeah. Fucking one. yeah. That was wonderful. Yeah. And I he's mean, leading it's... them. He's finally got the light because he's been in the darkness for so long, but he's the one holding the light. That's true. And like doing the most pure thing, which is yeah. he's not fighting a bad guy. He's saving a good people. Yeah. Uh, basically, you mm-hmm. know, so yeah, uh, you know, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think pretty much the last thing I have here. And if you guys have not seen the movie yet, then I don't know why you're still here, but definitely <laughs> tune <laughs> out well, I don't know. Yeah, it was definitely. But uh, when Matt Reeves was at the Batman 66 Museum, as kind of a tease, he took a shot of the different costumes of the villains, and they were the villains from the 1966 movie. That was Riddler, Penguin, Catwoman, and the Joker. This is the first movie since then to have all four of them in the movie. Oh, shit. So, yeah, that's right. That's at right. the end, we're introduced to as he's credited at the end, an unseen Arkham inmate played by Irish actor Barry Keom from The Eternals, who played Druig. Obviously, this is meant to be the Joker, and he's already in Arkham Asylum. Uh, apparently, he shot other scenes, too, because Matt Reeves, I don't know how this happened, but Matt Reeves has already brought up deleted scenes in interviews. I have a feeling like they were not supposed to be released yet, because I don't know mm-hmm. why he would be talking about it this early when the movie's not even out yet by the time of this recording. But he said, quote, there was an earlier scene where Batman went to Arkham to try to profile the Riddler and Barry, the actor, is in that scene. It's a very cool scene. I'm sure we'll release the scene after the movie comes out because it's a really cool deleted scene. I want to see Everybody wants to see it, you know. Yeah, um, yeah that definitely. <clears throat> it's unknown so far if Joker has been there the whole time or if Batman caught him before the events of this movie. 
Honestly, I wouldn't mind if it's just like, yeah, we already have a history type of thing. Let's just get going on that. We don't need the whole, like, I don't understand this type of guy either type of thing. Like, yeah, he should already know who it is. Good I, for I Nolan, but yeah. yeah, we don't need it again. We don't need that. Just yeah. like, well, it's, it's like the origin. Batman's too mythological. He's too in the, in, in the, in the ether, too in the zeitgeist. We know mm-hmm. the score. Just get him punching each other or whatever. Yeah. Get get him throwing the fucking chattering teeth. Let's mm-hmm. do something, you know? Yeah. And it looks like Although he I wants... do, I want him to be for the third movie in the trilogy, though. I would yeah, like yeah. Mr. Free- Personally, I'd like Mr. Freeze or Clayface. To, it's more than likely it would be Mr. Freeze. But anyway, for the, the second one, the puzzler. And then the third one, have your fucking trilogy yeah. end on the Joker. Why mm-hmm. make the second one again about the Joker? I think I need to, yeah. if the, they need to break this pattern. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the unmade Darren Aronofsky Batman Year One script, Joker had a cameo in the asylum showing that he was an inmate while Batman was starting out. We also have seen Joker in Arkham before meeting Batman in both the Telltale games and the end of the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie, as well as the Gotham finale where Jeremiah Valeska appears to awaken from a catatonic state once Batman arrives. We don't get that much of a glimpse of him. He is, quote-unquote, the unseen Arkham prisoner, but you do get to see a little bit of it. He's clearly wearing prosthetics, that Joker kind of looks like the Lee Bermejo version mm. of the Joker to me yeah. with the, like, the thick lips and stuff. So we'll, we're bound to see more. I'm sure it's probably not like the full-on final look, and that's why like we didn't get to see much of it. Um, but what did you think of the scene? Uh, well, <laughs> I didn't hate it. I just feel Agreed. like I didn't need it. Like yeah. I, I want to focus on just joke of uh, just Riddler. Yeah. Uh, and, and we already have, you know, two or three other villains. So like, it's cool. And I know, look, we, we all get it. Like comics are kind of live in the second act. Comics uh, mm-hmm. are always hinting at the next thing. Um, I think James Gunn even had some line saying no one, no one creator gets to end it. Yeah. You know, like it, that's why it lives in the second act for the most part, except for Logan and shit like that. But generally comic book shits in this in perpetually in the second act. And you, you keep Mm -hmm. on, you have that splash page at the end. You fucking always hint at the next issue or whatever. And that's what this was, of course, uh, like an end credit scene, but not in the end credits. I get it. But if it was cut, it wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world either. It wouldn't have yeah, it wouldn't have hurt agreed. the film. You know, it's it, again, it's just like the film just a little too long. But they want to hint at the Joker real hard. I get it, but it's just yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. What, so yeah. you didn't love it either. I, I didn't. I didn't absolutely love it either. I was hoping that it would be a little bit more of a stronger intro of the Joker. On the, they don't. I mean, they don't. They only show like his eyes, really, right? A little bit. A yeah, I saw face. a little bit of the lips. Oh, yeah. a little bit. Little bit. Yeah. 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 It's. I mean, it works for what it is. It's a tease. It's not supposed to be. It's not supposed to be the equivalent of the bank robbery scene from The Dark Knight. No, no, no. It's an. It's an. It's a Marvel end credit scene in the middle of yeah. the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it it was cool to have it in there, but it was as you said. It was like, well, we don't really need this. We could have had a different type of thing, but you know, who are we to, at this point? We're just complaining about there being a Joker cameo in a, in a Batman movie that was three hours. It's like, not we, the we're lucky. Yeah. We're feasting. It's it's fine. Yes, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're we're feasting. That's for sure. But if they 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 should have given that screen time to more like unmasked uh, Riddler or Riddler fucking duct taping motherfuckers again or something, you know. Mm-hmm. 
more juicy evil shit. That's yeah. what I want. Yes. So, yeah, that pretty much wraps up the Easter eggs. Obviously, the big, you know, the main ending is Batman and Catwoman kind of doing their, you know, taking their separate waves, ways and stuff. And um, yeah, that was great. I like that a lot. Wasn't expecting the final shot to be like basically that character specific. It, I thought it would be like maybe her riding off or him riding off in the uh, in the bat cycle, but it's just the shot of him. And then boom, the end. And I thought, I, oh, that's interesting. I like that too, though. I thought that it's was understated. Yeah. I thought that was cool. Yeah. It, it's, it's subtle and uh, yeah, just more character driven and yeah, it's just close up of Batman on his fucking bike. That's cool. Yeah. Yep. You know? That that was fucking sweet. So I thought yeah. so too. Yeah. So there we do. We there there we've got it. We've made it through the whole movie. All the different Easter eggs. Maybe I missed a few things. Tried my best to go in order. Just going off a of memory here, off of last night. But uh, yeah, that is superhero stuff you should know. Big thanks to Dan. Dan has figured it out from watching it, but I kind of pulled one over on him because I asked for a whole bunch of. A lot of these images for previous episodes, not letting him know, was actually for the movie coverage. Oh my god! So it wouldn't dude. get spoiled. So uh, obviously, I some I had to do. That. My, yeah, some of these, some of these I had to do myself because there's a lot of stuff I didn't realize was going to be there. But there was other, there were other things where I'm just like, eh, they're probably going to have this, so I want to be prepared. So I asked him to prepare this for other episodes and just cut them out. And uh, yeah, so now you know. Now you know what those were for. Damn, <laughs> man, that's a that's Batman planning right there, dude. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, say what you will about me, but I will not spoil <laughs> a movie for someone who works for me. So. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Also, as a quick post credits, there will be an art of the Batman book with concept art, which shows the concept oh, art for sick. this bat suit, which we see on the right here. It does not have the collar. So oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and the bat symbol is different. It has, it looks like, yeah, it has the ears. I think in this logo it has ears, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the logo has the ears too, yeah. Yes. Oh, oh, yeah, on the chest it has the ears as well? Yeah, on the okay, concept yeah. art. Hmm. So, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, you know, they, they draw, again, we're seeing a finished product. The journey to this finished product is they draw like a thousand things. Yeah. You know, so... Yeah, some of it just looks a little different than what we got. Mm -hmm. All right, moving on to the fan comments then. Uh, Slight Rebellion off Madison commented on the unmade Batman origins, commenting on our question on who's the highest paid screenwriter. Mm. Brought up highest paid screenwriter of all time is Shane Black, who received $4 million for The Long Kiss Goodnight. Still haven't seen it. I saw this in the theater, I think, with my family, oh. dude. <laughs> <laughs> My, my family and I used to see everything together, man. Yeah, I remember uh, from the ten dollar Patreon. <laughs> real, I'll, real quick, <laughs> I saw with my entire family. I have two younger brothers and my mom and dad. Okay, my entire nuclear family, as it mm. were. Uh, we saw Half Baked in the theater. Mm. <laughs> we saw Mall Rats in the theater all together, uh, and. We almost all super bad all, all together, but my mom left as soon as he started drawing dicks. <laughs> that was uh, <laughs> that was that drew the line for her. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we we saw just all kinds of shit together, man. It's weird. Jeez, probably weird. Well, not that weird, but not everybody did that. I feel like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I did not. <laughs> so, 
Did you see movies mainly with your dad back in the day? Or um, no, I mean I saw both, but when it was R rated, it was it was one where my dad was just like, "Yeah, come see it." I'm just like, "It's R rated," and he's just like, "Come see it." So I'm like, "All right, cool." Yeah, yeah. It's like who gives a shit? Yeah, my dad, I, <laughs> not my whole family, but I mean, I saw Terminator Two in the theater when I was like five. Mm-hmm. I was really young seeing Terminator Two. Like I remember being like, "What's that red?" What's the red screen all about? And my dad was like, that's robot vision. Like, uh, I, yeah. I, I had no idea. I was so young. I had no idea what that was. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah, yeah. I didn't see that until I was, geez, I don't know, like 12 or something. I did not see it when I was young. Dude, that's my big in the theater claim to fame. For my age, <laughs> yeah. being, being born in 84, mm-hmm. like I saw T2 in the theater, bro. Jeez. But. Anyway, back to the long kiss. Good night. Thank you for this comment, and that's that's interesting. I, Four million it seems kind of low, actually, but I guess screenwriters just don't get paid guess nearly not. as much as everybody else. I'm in the wrong profession. <laughs> this is like the to- the top uh, top one ever. Yeah. All right. Next one from As Fox brought up that in Telltale's Batman, Bruce's parents get shot in the head. Since we're talking about like where do Bruce's parents get shot and stuff, so yeah, Ro- I remember oh, yeah. this. We covered this in the Telltale one where. Thomas Wayne gets the bullet through the eye, just like Alex Rocco's oh, yeah. in The Godfather. So This is when I ask, like, do they get shot in the torso generally or not? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's Telltale cool. Telltale just went good. right to R-rated. So uh, we also have a long comment on Twitter from Woo! Mark Lestrange or Lestrange. So uh says hey guys, love the show. I heard a few times you guys make jokes about Prince's involvement in 1989's Batman. There's a story there. Burton originally used Princess's Princess's songs as temp music when making the movie. 1999 was used in the museum scene originally, and Baby I'm a Star was used during the parade scene. Apparently, the WB execs loved the idea, and when they asked Prince for permission, Prince saw an opportunity. He offered to write songs, which WB loved as Prince was on their label, Corporate Synergy. Prince watched the work print and decided he wanted to make a whole album and apparently kept hounding Burton with questions and ideas. Burton claims it was a very stressful experience and tainted his love for Prince. The Batman <laughs> album was very successful for Prince, and three music videos were made from it. There's a really cool unused demo for a Joker-themed song called Dance with the Devil, which is pretty creepy. I've heard that one. It is, it's great. Um, I have heard these things, but I've also heard from Danny Elfman that uh, John Peters had considered having Prince do the score for uh, Batman 89. So... That seems very different from this version of the story, where Prince was kind of just used as temp track stuff. So I'm not really sure. Uh, so please, if you have official sources on this, uh, either from Prince himself, Tim Burton himself, John Peters, send them over. I just I want to get to like the bottom of the story and what's true and what's not on this because I've, I've heard a lot of different conflicting information. And maybe at some point we'll do a ten dollar Patreon just on the Prince album. Oh, there's be a lot there too. A music yep. one. Oh yeah. I mean, you said originally that Burton didn't want to do to, to have Prince in it, right? I think he says that in the Burton on Burton book. I have to look it up again. Where he's just so, like, yeah, I didn't really want to do this. Because I remember I made the comment like, you're the number one director at the time. You're doing the tenpole franchise movie mm-hmm. for a studio such as Batman '89, and you still don't get everything that you want. Yeah, and that was because of the. You know, you, we we talked about it not uh, him him not wanting Prince so yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah I don't know I guess we'll 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 have to dig deeper yeah so let us know but thank you for that Mark Lestrange or Lestrange and uh, yeah that is it. 
coming soon to HyperX.com, HP.com, and more fine retailers. The HyperX Cloud Alpha Wireless. The Cloud Alpha Wireless gets up to 300 hours of battery life, so you'll spend less time charging your headset and more time charging into action. The dual chamber drivers enhanced by premium DTS Headphone X Spatial Audio provide reduced distortion, allowing you to hear audio cues with pinpoint precision. Up to 300 hours of battery, two chambers, zero wires. The new HyperX Cloud Alpha Wireless. Over to the uh, shoutouts. Le Strange. Okay, yeah, thank you for those comments, everybody, and we want to thank our Patreon supporters who are Shasta Leom O, Super Emperorman, Douglas P, Dan D, Aaron Willick, Nick Noir, Jeffrey R, Asgur's Web, Alex of the What Mean Podcast, Ian Justice, Jared P, Jamie H, Rochelle L, Skyler, TD, Sketchcraft, Braxton W, Renee V, JD, Logan Wood, who is Shane Helms, 121 on Instagram, Griffin W, Daniel V, and Pete B. Also want to thank our other supporters, Spark Geddens, SCCT Productions, Robert Schumann, Cookie Noms, Matt Herring, Elijah B, Shamrock Balls, E&H, Watch the Robot, John Wells, Rye Guy, Jackson Putnam, Tway N, and Watson, who was stage bad on Instagram, Joey, who was W.Media on Instagram, Paul G, and Derek O. List is getting longer, man. Yep. List is getting longer. More supporters. Woo! Okay. Uh, also, so yeah, please go to uh, patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. And that's where you can look at the, or you can, um, yeah, sign up for the tiers, which are the $1 tier gets you uh, the shout out. $5 tier gets you a whole other show on Fridays. So this show here is on Mondays. And this Patreon show where we do even deeper dives is uh, on every Friday. So you can cancel anytime also if you want. Um, you can just binge the whole thing in a month if you want. Just spend $5, you know. We've probably had people do that already, so whatever. Yep. <laughs> it's fine. Um, it's there. It's legal. So, yeah, do that if you want. Um, the $10 tier gets you uh, everything before that, the $1 tier and the $5 tier, but also you can join the monthly meetup. We'll meet up monthly and have a topic at hand to discuss and to just kind of, you know, kind of hang out with the listeners of the show and get to know everybody uh, a little bit more that way via, you know, a Zoom-like environment. So there's that. And uh, please go to uh, go to superhousepod.redbubble.com or superheroestuffpod.threadless.com to get our merch. You get Ben Man and Deed Wizard and that other guy. <laughs> no, Zach, Zachula, uh, mugs, shirts, shower curtains, and all that. Artwork mm-hmm. by Stefan Santa Cruz on that one. Please send us some audio. Still trickling in. Would like more. I would like so much I wouldn't even know what to do with. From everybody sending stuff, just please send some sort of audio to us. Can be anything. Superhousepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, yeah. Please send us an audio clip. That'd be great. Uh, you too can be on the show. I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter. Thunderwolf lives on YouTube. Thunderwolfdrew.com uh, has all my portfolio except for one place, which is AmanoRecon.com. It's A-M-A-N-O-R-E-C-O-N. This is uh, basically, again, Stranger Things meets Power Rangers, but R-rated and bloodier. 
It's an original idea. It's not a fan film. Some people think it's a Power Rangers fan film. It is not, although it is very, uh, you know, it's influenced. got a, it's heavily influenced from that thing. So mm-hmm. there is that. And uh, we're going to have an Indiegogo campaign. Indiegogo is like Kickstarter, but it is uh, a little bit more geared towards indie film. So, uh, and also we have 17 seconds of the, of uh, our campaign video right here. And we hope you enjoyed that. So, uh, yeah, we finally debuted some footage on the show. If you followed our social media, it's already been out for a week or so. Um, But, yeah, it's on the show now, finally. And uh, have something to show. And we're working on more. Uh, you know, it just takes a long time to get these things done. But anyway, that's it for me, Ben. You can follow us on social media at Twitter, Superhouse Pod, Instagram, Superhero Stuff Pod, TikTok, Superhero Stuff Pod, Vero, Superhero Stuff Pod. Uh, shout out to Cop Capital on Instagram as well as the Everything Entertainment Club on Clubhouse. My website is benwanrider.com where you can read various scripts Gotham Vampire, where Bruce faces off against the Mad Monk. Elementary, The Death of Sherlock Holmes, a modern update on the classic story, The Adventure of the Dying Detective, and Curb Your Enthusiasm, Disneyland, the Curb episode they could never make, where Larry David goes to Disneyland. If My you YouTube guys want a Curb in... cast, just let us know, bro. We can, <laughs> yes, ben let us and know I can if you want a podcast this. on that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my YouTube channel is in the description below, where you can check out Doctor Who, The Ronin of Time, an audio drama I write, narrate, and edit. And uh, my personal Instagram is Ben One Rider. My son's Instagram, Alfie, is Alfie Pennyworth Cat. And if you have an Alfie or a cat of your own, then you can get the Whisker Box, the only cat box with a crazy cat lady and gent. If you don't have a cat but you have a dog, that's cool too because you can get yeah, you can get the Bark Box, y'all. Yes, <laughs> give your dog exactly what they want, which is the Bark Box. Yeah, you canine. Get, yes, you can get the link. And the uh, basically in our use our promo link to get the first month off free, valued at thirty five dollars, and you can get all that type of stuff at superherostuffpod.com slash shop. And I think that is it. Oh man, you know, we want you to do us a favor. We want you to tell all your friends about us. Who are you, man? <laughs>